I do want to end on this. Um, you mentioned pillars. And as we head now toward a, a very historic moment in time in, in this company's history uh, in the fall, um, our universal champion on Monday Night Raw is Seth Rollins. Uh, the cornerstone now of SmackDown Live is Roman Reigns. Let me stop you right there, because I already know what your final question is going to be, okay? And I don't appreciate people putting words in my mouth, and I don't appreciate people trying to tell the story of my life to fit their narrative, okay? Eight years ago, I walked into this casino. Now I'm cashing in my chips, and I'm walking away from the table. I won the game. And what I do with the rest of my life from here on out is my business. I answer to no one. This time, the million-dollar man didn't get what he wanted. Because I can't be bought. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hey guys, hopefully everyone can uh, hear me this week. Uh, sorry about that. New laptop, <laughs> new setup. Appreciate the people who listened through last time as I sounded like I was recording from the inside of a cardboard box. But uh, yeah, how are you both? Uh, how's things? Not too bad. A little bit a bit less under the weather than what it was last time that we ended up, uh, ended up recording. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, not too bad. Although, as at time of recording, watching potentially a horrible night in the European elections come through simultaneously. So you'll probably hear my mood sink throughout this one. <laughs> Any news your end on what's going on at uh, Oxford area? Uh, not yet, but Nigel Farage is in Southampton, so I'm sure Dad will be uh, waving his Brexit party flag as he sees him uh, walking through Southampton tonight to celebrate victory. Have you tried to have a word, Joe? Does it just not work to fall on death? Yeah, yeah. No I've joke. tried to apply logic on several occasions, uh, but I think, unfortunately, he listens to me about logic, but I think when he goes to a polling booth, he may consider his choice, I and mean, then I think... Polsky Sklep probably just comes into his mind. He has a vision of Polish shops on the high street near us and thinks, oh, I wish that was a bakery that sell crusty rolls and lardy buns and cream horns. And unfortunately, the 1970s and nostalgia land and an idealised Great Britain comes into his head. And yeah, uh, there we go. To be honest, my dad's not too, too dissimilar. Uh, although I am comforted by the fact that Tommy Robinson tried to come to Bootle last week. And got chased off, uh, which was a was a fun viral video going round. So you know, I I'm, saw that. I'm was slightly that, proud to be that from Bootle. Was wasn't it? Yeah, it was Bootle. Yeah, famous. Uh, Jamie Carragher charge. Uh, well, see, Jamie Carragher gave some gave some words. He was saying, you know, this is not a racist area. That that you know that the people, even the people who voted for Brexit, aren't racists. And I was thinking, well, you know, they, they kind of are from my experience. But uh, still, it's still something to be proud of. <laughs> I love how this podcast is unashamedly pro-Remain. <laughs> and show it. Hey, look, not got... even going to remotely hide that fact. <laughs> look, we've got a we've got a got a public outlet, JP. So yeah, we uh, we like we to do, use it. Yeah. But, uh, I suppose we're just going <laughs> to just effectively turn this into uh, yeah, very much pro-Remain. 
and, uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't appear that Magic Grandpa saved the country either tonight, because yeah. uh, Labour have gone to shit. Oh. Well, to be fair, JP, your uh, your IRA outro on our first episode got us into enough trouble, so maybe we should uh, skip the politics for now. Uh, That's we, true. The thing is, we've got so much wrestling to talk about, guys. We've got like the the biggest show of the weekend to talk about, the show that sold out in hours, I should be expected at this point, the genuinely game-changing Business changing show, obviously talking about progress, 26th of May, 1988, <laughs> uh, aka at least Sugar Dungerton got booked. Uh, that happened today. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any spoilers. Are you excited to go out and watch that, Joe? No. <laughs> I, Are we ever going to watch that, Joe? I didn't even know it was today. And then someone sent me a screenshot of apparently tickets are up on Twickets for a fiver. And I was like, hey, they got a show today. I didn't even realise. <laughs> and then I saw a video of Paul Robinson doing Patrick Swayze and Dirty Dancing and was like, this is funny, yeah. but come on, it's Paul Robinson. Like, let's not kill, like, you know, the only real heel that exists in the promotion. But I suppose everyone will be shouting, I don't know, Patrick Swayze-isms <laughs> at him now and... Yeah. Hopefully he does Roadhouse or Point Break next. I'd like to him to have some Roadhouse style fights. Oh, Swayze's or Terry Funk. Terry Funk, yeah. yeah. Get him in. Whatever happened to the Rousey remake? Yeah, I don't was, know. Was that a thing? Yeah, the Ronda Rousey was. Um, she started filming a remake of Roadhouse, and I just don't know what happened to it. it just. Seem to sort of disappear. So I'm thinking, get Tell back for a bit of cameo as well to link the first one to the second. But <laughs> yeah, uh, we can only hope. This Roadhouse remake cancelled. Oh, it was, can- was cancelled. You were fa- you were a fan of Roadhouse, Benno? Nah, it's not really on my yeah. It's not oh. really on my radar. Is uh, is it something I should go back and revisit? Yeah, it's an absolute classic. It's like '89, so it's it's that kind of stuff. Some of the scenes of that bar I and mean, then that yeah. barn they have ah. Oh, absolute gold like proper film there if if you like schlock of that era and that's very much my my roadhouse ironically (laughs) um that wheelhouse actually that's the phrase but it's it's well worth watching it kind of fits nicely in an era of your van dams and uh dolph lundgren action films see i like i like a good van damme surrender yeah you know blood sport kick kickboxer uh the quest Big Rob, Rob, uh, Rob Van Damme, Jean Claude Van Damme fan. Uh, so yeah. Maybe I should go back. Maybe that's what we can do next week. Instead of reviewing progress, we can go back review Roadhouse and maybe pick a pick a, a JCVD classic as well. I'd be more than up for that. And if you want to do a Terry Funk film marathon, we can get over the top yeah. with Sylvester Stallone in as well, which I'm always up for. The arm wrestling film, yes, as well. He looked like an arm wrestler. I see him being very convincing in that. Yeah, I haven't seen that since I was a child. So oh, that it first. is a great film. I think, did it bankrupt Canon Films? Because Stallone's fee was so high, Yeah, I think. I've got a feeling it did. Yeah, it is a classic. Robert Loggia as well, Feech Lamana from The Sopranos. Great, <laughs> great cast. <laughs> There's definitely rest. Did you ever see, you, you've seen They Live though, Benno. Oh, of course, yeah. That's the classic. Oh. And it's Carpenter as well. And that era of Carpenter is just like oh. immense. And seeing Roddy Piper in a John Carpenter film that's decent. Yeah. Uh, really? Oh. Maybe, maybe John that's Ma- when films were films. Although I saw Us recently, and I think that's a masterpiece. But that's an entirely different podcast altogether. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, maybe uh, maybe John Moxley could find himself getting some of those Roddy Piper roles. He was uh, filming something this weekend, apparently. That's why uh, yeah, everyone believed the, he wasn't going to show up in AW. 
it's the film Christian's producing. Is it? The MMA film. Oh, yeah. Christian's so like producing. loads of MMA fighters in there and John Moxley. And it's mm. something to do with like an MMA fighter losing to a wrestler. Mm. Have you not heard about this? I, only, I knew it was an MMA film. That's all I really knew about it. Another it's, warrior. Uh, mm. Kind of vague. Yeah, quite similar to that. He's fighting. He's fighting. It's called Cage Fighter. Mm. Um, and it's got Michael J. White, who I remember playing Spawn. In a, I made my dad watch that. He got really pissed off, told me to turn it off because it was shit. And do you know what? He was right. Well, on Christmas Day, you watched that. Yep. You know, I'm just, just kicking him while he's down. Um, yeah. Gina Gershon. Um, Michelle Ryan. Is that? Oh, Zoe Slater. I think it yeah, might be yeah, Zoe Slater. Yeah. So you've got, you got Michael oh. J. White, not the DJ White. So you've got Zoe Slater. Sounds like a, a Joe film, though. You're not my mother. Yes, I am. <laughs> have, have she was you... a bionic woman as well, wasn't she, for a series that got cancelled. Do you oh. remember that? I, I, I remember the news stories, but I don't remember ever seeing it. I saw the intro to one episode. I can't remember what channel it was on. It was just like, no, you're Zoe from... <laughs> She's also in um, Cockneys vs. Zombies, which is a proper underrated horror film. <laughs> Cracking film, that. Uh, that's what we should run out and check out. Uh, oh, speaking of which, actually, this week I did watch, or well, last week, I watched Fighting With My Family. I enjoyed that. That was as far as like, uh, wrestling time films go. That was all right. Have you both seen him? It's a lovely little film. That's not cinema. Oh, yeah, yeah. You saw it at the time when it was out. Yeah, I really liked I, it. I, thought there's something... I still haven't seen it yet. Is it worth watching? I think so. I don't. I, I give it like six, seven out of ten. I wouldn't go mad about it, but I think there's something likable about the Knight family. Like I, I love the documentary when it was on Channel Four. To be honest, I probably prefer that to the film. Uh, but I think they did a good job. You know, I think I'd, I think I'd heard that Zach had been written out of it, so I was glad to see he was. Uh, he wasn't. He was just in prison throughout the film, which is a uh, reflective of of real life. Uh, it had some of the, the Roy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Roy is it Roy that was in? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and they had some. Uh, it's kind of like. They had a lot of like the tropes when Hollywood tries to do wrestling, where like the crowd are far more engaged than any Brit rest crowd you've ever seen. Um, but all <laughs> in all, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought all the nights got cameos. Uh, thought it was decent. I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't go into it expecting a lot, and it was absolutely fine. And it was a very easy sort of hour and forty minutes or whatever it was. Okay. It, it was light hearted. It was kind of feel good, and I did feel quite good at the end as well. Mm. And I kind of just took it for what it was meant to be, if anything. And it was fine. The documentary was great. I did a mm. few years ago. Mm. That definitely trumped it. But I thought the the pleasures that I got out of uh, for my family were noticing the little cameos. Mm. Like, uh, I don't know, Rishi Gosh and seeing Andy Boy Simmons stood <laughs> yeah. at ringside during the NXT scenes, just kind of with his arms crossed. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jody Fleisch as Vince Vaughn's, like... Uh, second in command. That's that was right, good. Yeah. He didn't get line, but he was there. The closest he'll ever get to a WWE contract. Is he? Is he Robbie Brookside then? In that case, uh, uh, take Jody Fleisch over Robbie Brookside, mate. Yeah. Come on, he's a legend. Is Robbie Brookside really a legend? <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would kind of say like it, Frankie Sloan, but mm, mm. <laughs> who's running out to watch them? classic Robbie Brookside matches. Uh, that's Do the... they exist? Oh, we had this one before, didn't we? I, I, no one's told me they exist. So, you know, if they do exist, link me and I'll watch them. 
was, uh, I was going to say that, like, uh, I think Vince Vaughn was the closest thing to, to Robbie Brookside in that film. I thought he was really good. I enjoyed that. I thought Vince, I'll be honest, I thought Vince Vaughn was picking up a paycheck. Uh, if you want to see some good work from Vince Vaughn, watch Dragged Across Concrete. That was a cracking <laughs> film. Have you seen that? Uh, I don't think I've seen it, no. Uh, recent uh, uh, cop, fi- cop thriller, uh, Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Um, I just spoke with my dad earlier, and my brother told my dad about it, and my dad's response was, oh, I've heard that's not very politically correct. I'll definitely watch that. So <laughs> that's the kind of film you get in. But it wasn't politically correct at all, but it was an absolute belter of a film and very different to anything I've seen for some time. So I'd definitely check it out. So what you're saying is if you're into Brexit, you'll probably like that film. Uh, Brexit, but if you like uh, 80s and 70s crime thrillers as well, which I do, you'll definitely like this because it is, it's a proper film. And it's, you know, the guy does Bone, have you seen Bone Tomahawk? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. That's worth watching. Mm. Strange. Kurt Russell's in it and but to he's, me, he's a god. He's not a very um, liberal filmmaker, this guy. I think he just doesn't give a fuck. He's kind of like, whatever, I'm just going to say what I want to say and do what I want to do. So the film got buried by the studio because the director insisted having final cut and they wanted it cut to two hours and he wanted his two and a half hour cut released. And it didn't make any money as a result of that. But mm. some of the mm, kind of incidental scenes he throws in there are awesome and would have definitely not been in the studio cut of the film, but they kind of really do benefit the film in many ways. So honestly, it's on it's on JP's Google Drive. So <laughs> Kayfabe. Yeah. Hips nay on the Google Drive, my and, mate. And if you want a link to JP's Google Drive, just send them a DM on Twitter and he'll sort you out. <laughs> uh, Where magic comes home. <laughs> definitely. Um, moving on to the, uh, the wrestling type stuff of what we've been watching this week. We're going to keep it brief because we're going to do a, a full review of, uh, of Double or Nothing in, uh, in the next few minutes. But uh, are you both up to date with the New Japan Cup? I saw... Uh, Gareth of Grapple Fame put out the uh, the top six matches uh, of the tournament so far, and uh, quite a few of them are from this week. It's been a bit of a hell of a week, but I don't know how much of it you've seen. I'm a day behind, but yeah, really has been a hell of a week so far. Mm. And what I've heard, day nine is also a great day as well. So mm. oh, it's awesome. more looking forward to seeing that one. Oh, has day ten happened by now? I can't. I don't even know. Oh, it's, but yeah, it's all a blur, isn't it? This, but like those three ten match Corican shows in a row. Like my schedule didn't need that. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. behind enough on all my other media. Never mind my wrestling. And I was genuinely looking forward to Super Juniors this year being something I could just jump in and out of, watch the grapple recommended matches, and then those three days it felt like you had to watch all ten, uh, especially the first one. It was just absolutely really, like I didn't ex- like this tournament is just. There's something going on in every match, pretty much. Like, there's something interesting, even mm-hmm. if it's... I mean, with the, maybe the exception of Dookie uh, and a couple of the lads there, the, the bottom end of the spectrum. Overall, you know, you got Gresham killing it in the undercard, even the likes of Robbie Eagles, Titan, Bandido bringing something. You've got the likes of El Fantasmo putting in, like, the, the heel performance of a lifetime. Rocky Romero being the most lovable basis baby face of all time and osprey just like casually killing it with the likes of show and uh and ren narita as well as the likes of bandido and el fantasmo it's just been absolutely nuts see this is where i'm i see i've seen day seven so the last big match i saw was um 
Phantasmo Osprey, which is a very different type of match to the one I actually expected. And I was looking through the grapple list on there as well, and there's some that I need to catch up on that, that you, you guys have, have managed to see and catch up on. But like you, I was actually recording a podcast with WH Park from um, from Post Wrestling, and he just said to me, he was like, right, watch these, um, watch days seven, eight, and nine, because mm. days hadn't happened by that point. So I've seen day seven, and just... And it's such an easy watch mm. for like a full Corican show as well. So like you say with that undercard and all those different aspects to it, you mentioned Dookie. Very briefly, he, he's it's in some weird way, it kind of adds this bizarre curiosity value to some of the undercard matches. In the I've same, not seen one of his matches. He's not great. I'll, I'll put it that way. Do you think he's absolutely horrific, Benno? He's, he's terrible. But he offers something different, like the scuzzy brawling, yes. like when he goes into the stands and he's having it. It's different than what else is happening in the tournament. I'll give it that. But it's also, mm. that is the one where, where where I'll quite happily skip. Like, he's not showing up in the grapple top six matches. Like, to go, to, to go through that, I mean, that list is dominated by the likes of Osprey, El Fantasmo, Rocky Romero and Shingo. Uh, number one's Dragon Lee and Shingo from day eight. Number two's Bandido Osprey from day eight. Like that was an incredible day, all in all. So you got that to look forward to, JP. Uh, three cool. was Shingo against Show, which is the match you guys raved about. Uh, number four, El Fantasmo Rocky Romero, probably my favorite match of the tournament from day nine. Just a wow. pure, just as a pure babyface and heel match, and it was just the emotion of the crowd being so behind Rocky Romero and the push of El Fantasmo so quite so quite clearly working i just loved it i thought it was magic um fives el fantasmo osprey which again is another favorite of mine from the tournament and six is another rocky romero match against osprey himself from day four which was a lot of fun too never expected there to be two rocky romero matches in there never mind me say uh one of them is probably my favorite of the tournament yeah, I think my favourite tournament so far, I haven't seen Day 9, so I've not seen Phantasmo and Romero yet, but I think Romero and Osprey after Show Shingo is my favourite match of a tournament. It was, I just couldn't believe how good it was. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not expect this from Rocky Romero at no. this point of his career. Like, he's making the most of this opportunity, and it feels like... He's like Phil the Liger role. Yeah, he kind of is, and I think with him being the talent agent as well yeah. for the um, Gaijin... I, it's almost like the likes of Osprey, Phantasmo might sort of be feel a bit indebted to him, possibly. Mm. Mm. So we're going out of their way to give him more as well. Osprey gave him so much of that match. He made him look great. Like there were times where I bought Romero actually beating Osprey in the match as well. Like I knew he wasn't going to win, but mm. the, the near falls were getting me as well. The story was great in that match. Mm. Romero in that kind of underdog role was great as oh. well. And it, that was a superb best, match. I think the best thing I can say about that, sorry to interrupt, is just like, you know, you say about the near falls. I knew the result going in and I was still biting every time Rocky Romero thought he was, gonna, was coming close to a win. That's when you know near falls are working. Oh, yeah, I was completely buying into sort of the emotion of the occasion as well. Crowd were red hot for Romero as well at the end of that match. It was it was just a great match. And mm. fair, play to, fair play to Romero for having 
probably the best match of his career. Mm. And it sounds like if this ELP one's even better, he's maybe had the two best matches of his career during this run. So, yeah, good on the blokes. I was expecting his matches to be those that I'd be skipping during the tournament, (laughs) if I'm honest with you. And you you probably know I'm not watching full days. You two are braver than me. I don't know how you got the bloody time. (laughs) I've been skipping right through these days. I've been watching cherry-picking matches in the biggest way and... Uh, yesterday I had a whole run of cherry picking matches where I think the lowest I rated a match was four stars out of like the six matches I watched so it was a great afternoon spent watching wrestling it's crazy the amount of times I go in four star and above like that the number one match on the grapple list uh, Dragon Lee and Shingo 4.59 but every other match in that list is 4.52 4.50 like the the top level stuff's great but actually, you know, it's not even just that, though. Like, I was talking to Ben Owens about this, and it's like, I know, you know, you're cherry-picking, Joe, and that's understandable. Like, it's a, it's another tournament at, like, this time of the year where usually I do the same thing. But I don't know if you're the same, JP. What I think maybe what the reason I am putting myself through the whole cards, especially those 10-match Corican cards, is like even, like, the, you know, like a three-star Gresham match. Like, he's just been having those, like, nice, easy watch, not match of the year contenders, but just enjoyable little three three and a half star matches like in a perverse way i think i'm kind of enjoying them more i think i'm that's the aspect of the tournament that's kind of keeping me going as much as like the high level stuff i'm completely with you on that because i can see myself and where i fit in the time is that's an interesting question on the bus on the bus always always on the bus (laughs) um but I've enjoyed watching that whole day. And I think it's probably like a couple of the real strengths of the tournament. And I was talking about this with Joe yesterday, talking about the difference between this and the sort of New Japan Cup. And the fact that the New Japan Cup, we've seen a lot of those matchups before. Whereas in this, everything is really fresh. Mm. And these are matchups that I'm not used to seeing. So like the, even the idea of an El Fantasmo, Rocky Romero, it, it's not something sounds possible. Like a, sounds like a cockpit match. Yeah. But and the crowd are just hot from beginning to end now, on on that first day, and from everything I've heard about days eight and nine, there they don't let up. Mm. It's not like the, the the crowd is is any weaker. And there was uh, anything that was kind of around the two and a half three star range generally was short enough for it to be kind of inoffensive, mm. and so it made the flow work as a show. Um, it's high level stuff they're putting on and on this. I mean, it's kind of what the junior tournament has always threatened it could be. So for a long time, it's, I'm not saying it's been underwhelming, but as we've all said, you would cherry pick matches. And that's, that's kind of how these, we always assumed that how you deal with a tournament like this, it's getting to the point where it is kind of real unmissable stuff. Mm. And you know that's fantastic and you know people speak in very hushed terms about the j cup in 94 it's going to be fascinating where this ends up mm. at the very end and whether or not the buzz from this means they can get a really big crowding because they've got sumo hall booked because mm. they can't use yeah, the other ones so. it's being renovated for the olympics yeah i think the thing is as well talking about the fresh matchups mm. but it's fresh matchups but we're seeing new guys in these fresh matchups, getting mm. over as well. Yeah. Like it's been great seeing Phantasmo get over as mm. big as he is in this tour. But I didn't thought he'd get over, not to the extent he's got over yeah. though. Like he seems like he's kind of big time there already. Uh, seeing Show develop his character a little bit more mm. as well has been great. And seeing Bandido tear it up. Bandido seems like he's massively over in Corican. Mm. But I also think they've got to thank some of the guys that they've thrown in with some of the guys, uh, the newer guys who they're trying to get over. Like 
So the job Osprey has done throughout yeah. that throughout this tournament, that week where he had matches with who was it? He had a match with ELP. He had a match with Bandido. I mean, he's had a match with Ren Narita. Yeah, well, so much from those matches, and that extra bit over as a result of it. And that extra bit, oh, fuck, Rupert Lowe, the ex of Hampton MPs, just, uh, <laughs> just got in as an MEP in the West Midlands. Oh, no. Fucking twat. <laughs> um, but talk, talking of um, the new god, Will Ospreay, or god to wrestling, let's just say, not maybe god to, Politics. I don't know. Politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Brexit. <laughs> just the job he's done has been amazing like i don't want to see osprey have the best of the super juniors after this i want to see him go to heavy and stay at heavy yeah. but if he's leaving the junior division behind yeah he is sure as hell leaving it in a good state by helping these guys out definitely yeah so yeah i mean it's been an incredible uh last week we're gonna we'll talk the final and maybe hopefully go into a, a bit more detail next week but yeah didn't expect to be this uh glued to it and yeah if you you're not already definitely use grapple it's uh helpful for like so like so what joe's doing uh cherry picking matches and seeing what people are rating uh definitely worthwhile and uh yeah it should uh should help some people out but uh suppose we should uh let's talk some all elite uh i mean we just mentioned there actually jp we were talking about uh having time to watch stuff. I was wondering to myself, how much Starcast has JP been watching? I could imagine you to be, to be the only person, I, you and Matty Edwards being the only two people I know who've been watching any Starcast this week. Uh, any scoops on it for us? I've seen a couple of things. Actually, it was quite interesting. I did watch the, it was like called an evening with Cody and the Bucks. I actually saw which... that. That was good. Cody was wasted though. Like that's where uh, yeah. all those quotes about Cody kind of shooting on Triple H, and we're going to talk a bit more about that later. Like they all came from that, and he clearly had to drink, or he was just very tired. It was one of the two. What did he do? He was... I'm up for shooting on Triple H. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was just like, having little swipes, little swipes at yeah. Bailey for one. Uh, just little comments about the big. Oh yeah, he was right into that. Yeah. Just like talking about like Mick Foley being an absolute legend and having to carry that horse shit. He's not wrong. I might have to watch this. It's it's and also some of the questions are a, a bit more hard hitting than I expected. Mm. So people are asking them about Pac and what's what was going on there, whether they'd work with New Japan, you know, and they gave answers that were that were cagey. But at the same time, they didn't entirely avoid it. It was more of a case of look, we would like to work with everyone, but there is clearly there's there's things going on mm. in terms of trying to to form these type of relationships and that's, and really for themselves they kind of need to concentrate on themselves for the time being because we're going to point out some of the some of the areas where they are going to need to to kind of up their game but um yeah it's it was well worth watching that i watched some of the uh the wrestling observer live with uh didn't someone ask him some really bad questions i haven't got to that bit yet okay, i've only okay. seen like the first half an hour okay okay apparently, apparently they were asked some really terrible questions that they didn't want to mention the next day when they did because i listened to the observer um q a they did before double or nothing mm. and apparently they'd done the show the day before and been asked some absolutely terrible questions mm. and people asked them at the q a the one for the observer side what they were and they were like we don't want to mention them they were that bad wow. we're embarrassed I was like, oh, what were they? I'm intrigued now. Not, nothing, um, nothing could be worse from that that time. Was it, was it WrestleMania this year or last year where that Irish dude just railroaded oh, them and took over the QA? Oh, it, it can't be worse than that. It's kind of awesome that. I think his name's Noel. I reckon it's Rover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that would be awesome. Let the conspiracy um, here. It's like a lot of the questions are kind of it, to a certain degree, and it's uh, it's it's partly the issue with kind of the the wrestling hardcore wrestling fandom of mm. people trying to ask them are you basically co-opted would you go and work for a company and stuff like this and it's like that's you know if you cut to the chase that's what they're wanting to ask them mm. but they don't they kind of ask flowery bits around it so and they spoke about that in the um q a they did today actually okay mm. they gave some pretty reasonable responses that i kind of was like yeah sort of get where you're coming mm. from on that and it was more no they're giving us access they want to talk to us they're giving us and updating us on stuff and they're treating us like we're media whereas mm. the this is like new for the wrestling business mm. but wwe will not give us access wwe are reluctant to speak to us wwe make no bones about us being an enemy mm. and it was like yeah i get this that like, said AEW were have taken sort of a mature stance on what the media is to an industry mm. whereas wwe is stuck in the kind of a dark ages still in the oh the media unless you're giving <laughs> us positive promotion and you're doing fluff pieces you're an enemy well aren't we recording this in our parents basements isn't that <laughs> normally the 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 line they work through of people who like the internet yeah well it's, it's Which, kind of i like the, i like that difference though i like that like i watched like some uh, media scrums they did like after the show with the likes of cody and Jericho and even Big Toad himself being quite open and answering mm. questions to different members of the media it is a definitely a refreshing attitude. Yeah, there is to. I mean, like we've seen an example of it. I suppose the, the closest we've seen where we are is WXW mm. doing kind of like a, a similar thing to it. And well, that's why we're co-opted. Then you'd like to think it's raised. It has helped raise the profile and and credibility. And mm. I think the whole. I don't buy this co-opting stuff. I think it's Twitter consensus bullshit where the inner circle and consensus all were desperate to hate on Meltzer, which I've never understood because, let's be honest, without Meltzer, we wouldn't have half the stories and we wouldn't know half the information that we know and love about wrestling. And we probably wouldn't love wrestling the way we do because he's responsible for putting most of what we mm. love about wrestling out there. So to me, it's always been it's absolutely bizarre that people want to hate on someone that ultimately has done a lot of good for the industry and mm. has probably well we are the target audience for ultimately but no i don't buy it i think at the same time you look at any industry so at the moment we're watching european election results think about the press and politics think about i don't know political editors and journalists and newspapers and their relationships with politicians like it's an intrinsic relationship mm. that has existed since the beginning of time whereas wrestling has for some reason been this weird closed industry that is just massively paranoid of the press and the media for some weird reason it's, it's the word fake mate that's what it is. Yeah. What it all comes yeah, down yeah. to. I, I, that word. I would push back though on. I think on AEW and the books and Kenny especially. I do think Meltzer has a blind spot. He's only human, and it's understandable. Oh, yeah. He well, likes him. I'll, I'll a, say a, that, but I do. I do. I do think it's. I'll be honest. I think that Twitter consensus stuff. Not being on Twitter, honestly, you you have a completely different point of view. And then when you see some of the stuff that people say that you don't access on a regular basis because you're not on twitter you kind of see it from a slightly outside uh, sort of a more of an outsider's point of view i would say yeah but you're and also not seeing Meltzer rally in defense of AEW and of kenny in the books like you you're not seeing the, the 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 people kicking off but you're also not seeing the reason people are kicking off because that is 
quite like it's why would you there's a lot of it about it like what i don't understand is why would you get wound up about it like to me that just seems bizarre like i want this to succeed i think they've got teething problems because i think he works for them that's what that, that sorry isn't that what what it comes down to Benno? it's just that he's not particularly neutral when it comes to them and that's yeah. fine but i don't think he's absolved of any criticism i don't think his coverage has been brilliant i think there's there's times where he could push back and ask more questions about the pack stuff there's times where three months after the fact he'll go oh, yeah i knew that three months ago and i i, I just i i think he's too close to them and i don't think he sees the forest for the trees sometimes i, I do think there is a bi- I, basically I, I like his that. Kids. I just don't think it's anything to get wound up about. No, I agree with that. Yeah. And to rally on him for because it's a minor issue. I don't know. I just don't think it's that big a deal. If I'm completely honest with you, and mm. he wants this to succeed, he wants change in the industry, as do, as as we all do at the end of the day, mm. and. Uh, you, it's hard to argue that he's neutral when it comes to WWE. Let's be <laughs> honest. It seems like he's pretty anti-WWE most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is his position on it. I'm fine with that. He's also- it's not as if he's got a regulator and he's got to be impartial. He's not the BBC of wrestling journalists. Like, he is allowed to have his sort of biases if anything and I, I'm, I'm i don't see the problem with i would personally. I, the, the the way i would um i would kind of look at it, i suppose if i look at the sort of doyan of the sort of journalists who cover this area as sort of ariel helwani in a sense who kind of would obviously come up against ufc to the point where obviously they they took him off it's weird he's got a show on espn but tried to ban him and all yeah they've tried to mm. ban him effectively so when you say Beno about him him not being particularly neutral that has been a, a, a criticism that's there they go to him and it, i think it's kind of obviously the bucks calling it the Meltzer driver and things like that it's oh, there's play, been a long they do stand. play him they they, they it's part of their they, business plan and it's wise is getting dave on board like that is getting clear, dave on board, that's clearly so a conscious thing yeah and tony khan being a wrestling observer subscri- subscriber as well so it like kind of makes sense between all of them him. to be kind of in contact with him but then again i I'd say simply put, why would you go to him? What's the reason why? And the reason is, in terms of his depth and knowledge of the history and what works and what doesn't work within wrestling, um, he's he's kind of spot on. Mm. Like for the for the most part, like I think he even kind of undersold this for a, for a long way. He's been seems to have been surprised by the ticket sales for it. Um, I it's ultimately. Um, but look it, how on board I yeah. am as an audience yeah. member, and I'm a, I love Meltzer. I make no bones. About I think it's it. too high on this show that we're going to be covering. Mm. I think that's yeah. I think so as well. I, I yeah, I do think that, and I do disagree with some of his opinions a lot of the time. But I do think he their is opinions great, aren't they? and he is someone that we should value and not look to get on all the time. But at the same mm. time, their approach and his approach filtered through them. Look what it's, it's got me on board. It's had me excited for the last few months. Like, mm. And I'm sure it's happened to a lot of other Observer readers and their oh. figures and their subscriber rate is through the roof. It's a smart approach. Like, mm. good on them. Mm. I don't, do not blame them at all. I think kind of all power to them, to be honest. It's very doing what Tony Blair did in 97 and you work hard to kind of get the press on board, don't you? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's not exactly Murdoch, is he? But, you know. <laughs> no. it's, like, it's like you said then, though. It's like what WXW do to a much smaller extent, you know, mm. with, the, with the likes of us. You know, they, they, they make a 
conscious effort to engage the press and yeah positive co- coverage follows and maybe it's the fact that it's wrestling that that feels so abnormal and uh, because of the way WWE have treated the press for for so many years it's uh yeah allowing the press access isn't always the uh, the worst thing is it uh, even if it is purely from a you know a, a PR perspective it feels it feels like and I know we will eventually actually end up talking about the sort of the show itself, but I think one of the, <laughs> the kind of fascinating things is they've worked hard to get mainstream sources on board for this. We're gonna end up talking about, you know, the pros and cons of Jack Whitehall, which is uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fascinating to hear Joe talk talk about that. Best um, no, it no, it isn't. It's, is it? it's it was Sam who was really angry about oh. Jack Whitehall, um Joe's brother. Um but it, it's 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 kind of an it's a fascinating approach that they've kind of taken alongside this of not being necessarily as guarded mm. and and I think as a result the credibility goes up and I think if there's what you hope is that this leads into a a period where WWE are forced to up their game and if it's things like this that kind of work where they where they're effectively going to have to deal with all of these sources and when they do things wrong that they should be critical of them and how they respond to the criticism because obviously at the moment WWE is an absolute fucking shit show from beginning to well with some people putting on some decent matches but storyline completely all over the place and we're talking about something that is could possibly benefit the overall industry if AEW is successful which you know people who don't like that seem to love monopolies and think that they're good things and basic economics tells you that they're terrible for the consumer so you're hoping this good kind of press relationship and the idea of being a bit more open and like you seeing the cody um post-match interview Mm. and which i was kind of fascinated by why in the kind of media scrum around that that's that's a good way to go Mm, definitely um i mean as far as the the show itself goes i mean what did you suppose maybe start Maybe we could start light. I mean, we'll go through the match by match. But, I mean, what did you think of the production as a whole? What did you think of it as an alternative to WWE? Uh, I thought, like, I mean, there's lots of positives to say. I do think the production was mm. one of the bigger negatives. Uh, a couple of issues with the commentary. Music wasn't great. Lighting wasn't great. All things you can improve going forward. We've got to remember it is a, a fair show. Um, but, yeah, what did you what did you make of it as a, as a show? This uh, this double or nothing, the, uh, the first show from AEW? In terms of the setup of the arena, I, I generally liked it. it. It looked absolutely packed with a good crowd. Like I said, with, with the production as well, that's it's an area to kind of be critical. There were some sort of key shots missed. Mm. And whether or not, it, I mean, obviously the TV deal is reliant on production being, is it effectively paid for and given to them by by Turner and TNT, or certainly they're covering the costs of it. But it feels like the this show and the other two shows afterwards are really critical in terms of getting things right because there's stuff at the moment. There's a lot of goodwill, but this kind of thing is the kind of thing that will turn off the casual viewer. Talking about the music, I think Kenny Omega's music, I could barely hear what it was, and there'd been a somewhat of a big deal made of the fact that it's a new theme for him, mm. and I could barely hear it. Um, the commentary in and of itself, I mean, they should be fucking ecstatic. <laughs> They've got Excalibur. Yeah. Like, seriously. Whatever they're paying him, he's worth it and more because he added so much to it. Um, Alex Marvez as well. Was he there? Given these next two shows, but if it hasn't improved substantially, as into the point of you're aware he's there for long. 
you know, for periods of time. And I don't think he was given a particularly good role to have as well. But if it's not working by the end of that third show, they need to kind of cut their losses. JR mm. yeah. couldn't as even a- hide his disgust at times, could he? Couldn't hide his disgust of, of Alex Marvez. He was literally, like his body language, you know, when they cut away to the announcers, he'd be facing the other direction. He was basically leaning into Excalibur. Like, I never would have called that JR would quite clearly be more fond of the indie, indie geek in the mask than the uh, the football commentator at Alex Marvez. It's kind of like, it was quite clear he was he was that third man in the booth WWE have. I mean, I know he's there. He was there partially, wasn't he, to expel some stats and talk about Twitter hashtags, which again is a very WWE move, but yeah. you, very, you very easily could have muted this mic for the night and not miss much. Yeah, he was also pushing stuff about tickets of the next show. Mm. During the Bucks-Lucha Brothers match, it was a mile a minute, and it was like he kept getting interrupted. He couldn't finish what he was trying to say because he was doing it at completely the wrong Mm. time. I don't know if that was the director giving him that cue or if he was doing it himself off his own back, but it was just like your timing of this, mate, is just completely (laughs) off. There's a point where he starts talking about Hikaru Shidu being able to use... uh, Rashida being able to use kendo sticks just starts talking about it. It's like, what the fuck has that added to it? Who's, who's asked for that nugget of information? He also brought up the fact that um, Hiroshi Haze uh, was a member of parliament in Japan at one point. It was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm aware of that information. If he could, how it's got anything to do with this, <laughs> like, I'm obviously a man who loves an aside and a distraction as to <laughs> chat about dragged across concrete. Great film, watch it. But... <laughs> No, you know, and us. This is self-produced bollocks. Let's be honest. I don't know why anyone would listen to this crap, (laughs) but I I want people to, you know, watch Double or Nothing and all the rest Mm. of it. And it just seemed like his nuggets of knowledge were. It was like he was trying to do a Mike Tanay at points, but it was all completely misplaced and not about what we were watching. It was, he was bad. He was really bad. He looked stoned. (laughs) No, he looked like he was. he looked like he was close to a heart attack. Yeah. He looked like he was really anxious. He was really out of place. He knew he was out of his depth. He looked like he was sweating his ass off. Like, <laughs> he just he looked like he could tell JR hated them as well. That's what it felt like. He just felt like he was just uncomfortable. That's what he looked. That's what he looked like. Like it, I, I didn't imagine I'd be going I'd be coming out of the show. I thought I'd be coming out of the show and the first thing I'd be complaining about was JR, was JR's commentary. And actually, I thought JR was quite good. I thought JR, I, I would rather just get rid of Marvez and just have it be JR and Excalibur. Like, if anything, Excalibur could lead the broadcast on his own because he can do play by play, he can do the colour, he can fill in all the gaps. But I get why they want JR. It's a marketing thing and it's a, it's a name, you know, to sell the product. And you can have, and it works, you can have JR doing the emotional stuff, which is kind of what he was doing on this show, and then Excalibur being the one who kind of fills in the actual facts and actually knows what he's talking about. Like, it was the best combination of JR I think I've seen since pretty much, I don't know, 15, 20 years, something like that. Definitely Mm. since he's been, it's definitely outside of the WWE system anyway. Um, Yeah, and I'd rather just have them too and just, I feel bad for Marvez. Hopefully he didn't do a vanity search of his own name because God, everybody kind of seems to share the same opinion as us on him. Um, But yeah, I'd actually take them too rather than this three-man booth. That's a very WWE thing that I don't think you need. I, I think so, and I think actually possibly the best use of Alex Marvez because he's been hosting some of this Starcast stuff as well, um, and the the press conference stuff we've seen him do that in the past as a backstage interviewer. 
because, and we haven't talked about it yet, the backstage interview was fucking abysmal on the buy-in show. Oh, the and, buy-in generally yeah. was awful. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but like, they, they fell for the trope they needed to have a kind of glamorous female backstage interviewer. And I think if you're looking for something more sports-orientated, mm. either they have to have a complete change of tone and direction. But I think Alex Marvez in that role might actually be kind of be able to kind of add some value to it mm. and have Alicia to do the kind of social media stuff, which plays to her strength. And that's when they kind of fell into a slight trap of thinking this is, this is what wrestling should be. And I think there's a lot of experimentation they can do with things like the camera work and not being afraid for everyone to just stare at a hard cam the whole time. Which yeah. is good when Bret Hart managed to, to do <laughs> to walk or show the title belt to everyone. I think there's things they can break away from the traditional and the kind of tropes they fall into. Marvez felt like he was from the Mike Adamley school of wrestling announcers, if anything. Like he just felt uncomfortable, out of his depth, was trying hard. Like you said it best, JP. Give him the next couple of shows, see if he gets comfortable. If he yeah. doesn't, mm. cut your losses and put him backstage. Because he, I can see him bringing a certain credibility as mm. well. Mm. If he is a backstage interview, he's a recognisable face for NFL fans. But on JR, he brings that credibility himself, doesn't he, mm. to the kind of casual fan you might be trying to get in for this. And He also bit his tongue, didn't he? Did he? Mostly. JR, he Oh, right, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant he literally bit his oh, tongue man. on the broadcast for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned it there. We should talk the, the buy-in um, as a whole because that kind of ties into all those kind of pro- some of those production roles. Like you mentioned the, the, the camera cuts very WWE style and not great because it missed a, a few of the shots in the in the buy in the casino battle yeah. royale. Uh, all in all, like I mean, again, I'm ready to maybe we're just getting the negatives out the way because I'm ready to go positive on the majority of the rest of the show. But yep. like, like you just touched on there, Joe, that the buy-in was awful. Like talk about like they're on they were on ITV four. Like I was excited to be watching you know, Kenny Omega on ITV to watch a, a wrestling product that you can kind of be proud of on ITV. And then they kind of threw out what they threw out on the buy-in. Like, I don't think they did a, a job at all at making you, using this one hour of time where the majority of people would be watching uh, as far as, you know, the amount of people, amount of eyeballs you've got on your product to sell the pay-per-view coming up. Uh, it wasn't just those production snafus, just all in all, just a... A weird hour with a, a singles match that was just all right, and a and a battle royal that was just really confusing to an outsider. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you differ there, but for me, yeah, they didn't do didn't do a huge amount uh, to convince uh, any late uh, people who were considering buying it, or definitely uh, any casuals. Well, to sort of set the scene for before we watch the buy-in, we spent quite a bit of time, about an hour and a half, watching WCW Millionaires Club versus New Blood basically recapping WCW in the year 2000. I was watching some WCW 2000 as well, watching Vampiro oh. versus that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't even know if we got to the that 70s guy bit. There was a, like Muta with insane clown posse. <laughs> it was, and that, wasn't it just... Hogan, Billy Kidman, Fugue. Oh. But, so, we watched, so it was like we got the worst of WCW. Do you have any chronic? chronic? We had some chronic. They did, yeah, chronic turn, not as much as you'd think. Oh, there was that match, Muta and Vampiro against Chronic. I was like, how was this ever a match? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I had chronic building their feud with Goldberg. Uh, that's what Matty had on in his house. That's what we were all watching. That's nice. Like, we didn't plan this at all. That's great. Like, I was thinking, sorry, this yeah. is a complete aside. In the year 2000, Chronic were facing Mooter and Vampiro for the WCW tag titles. It was in August 2000. <laughs> the same month, they had the TLC match in WWE for the tag titles. Like, yeah. yeah, says it all, done it. Yeah. Brian Adams. So, like. <laughs> oh, so we, we were watching that into the buy-in, which kind of set the expectations nice and low. Interesting. And I have to say... <laughs> When we when we watched it, and we watched it on the fight stream in the end, because effectively I cut the cords. So I don't have a skybox. It was the it was the thing to do, and and it's obviously the same price. Um, but put it on and saw not like just a group of guys in the ring. Someone who was being booed. You didn't know why. You had Alex Marvez looking shitting himself, like looking nervous on camera. And even Excalibur, I think at that point, looked a little bit nervous and then very, very quickly got into it. And just a group of guys in the ring, no introductions, no idea who they are. Dustin Thomas is in there. And obviously it was oh, one of the... Such oh, bad use of it. Oh, it was Currently like, in the ring, no legs. Like that is not how you introduce such a unique person and character, is it? Like that, that's I, the most unforgivable thing. I mean, I enjoyed MJF calling him Lieutenant Dan. But other that than was that, funny. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that might be the oh, highlight of it. Oh, it that's kind of, that links to like my, my biggest criticism of it though. It was just it was shindy as fuck. It was the GCW clusterfuck, but with no explanation of who anybody is and presented to a large audience. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, it yeah. was bloody awful. Like I think first of all, when it started, I think we we were well up for it. Yeah, I was a bit worried about the rules of this battle well, we royal. We loved the battle royal at All In. Oh, the battle royal at All In was great, but they highlighted people in that battle royal, and that was kind of like an indie super battle royal, if mm. anything. Like everyone in the, in the crowd was aware of who the people were in that match, whereas this, they didn't seem so aware of them. This also had these weird, confusing rules that no one could really work out. Mm. And it was when I saw old no legs in the ring, just <laughs> they started the show with people in the ring. It was like, what? Like, wasn't the whole point of having it split up into into little groups is that everyone could have an introduction and get their shit in? It just felt like a really never happened awkward way to start yeah. the show. And they just wandered the in things- from the back, like they just like in groups of yeah. five, just wander out onto camera, like oh, here they all are. Like it was only the second group where they even had the countdown for them. Yeah, it was it was poorly put together. I think one of the other things was as well. JP said about Marvez and Excalibur at the beginning. I understand why Excalibur was nervous. Think about Excalibur's broadcasting experience. All in and a bit of New Japan. And PWG. Yeah, but I say broadcasting experience. That's DVD indie broadcasting, right? Is Excalibur used to going live on pay-per-view or on broadcast television? No, right? He's really never done it. Mm. I mean, he's got Marvez next to him. He's never done any wrestling. Like, they kind of put the guys in a really tough position by introducing JR in that next part of the show. And also, think about the type of match Excalibur is used to commentating. One-on-one matches or tag team matches in PWG, right? The occasional multi-man. I've never seen Excalibur commentate a match with 21 guys where there are different intervals and convoluted rules because mm. pwg doesn't 
do that so you put him in this kind of really tough position with somebody who's not going to instill him with any confidence during that as well and I thought that was really short-sighted well it was a bit of an oversight if anything and I just felt sorry for him mm. because it was it, they were struggling they were really struggling yeah. during the match even just and there were production miscues as well they were missing stuff going on in the ring mm. yeah while it. all of that's going on if you got in from the pub a bit bevy, you'd be buying that pay-per-view and the strength of this. Like maybe if Jimmy Abbott ran down to the ring with no legs rather than a couple of beers in his hands, <laughs> it's good to see him having a night off the beer. I've got to say, yeah. um, it would have got people going, "What the fuck is this?" Rather than just seeing a guy with no legs in the ring with no yeah. explanation or any context. Mm. I think I think the biggest thing for me as well was that like all the shindy stuff was going on, and I might forgive it. But it was for it was for the number one contender for the world title, you know, like yeah. Cody, Cody and Dustin are having a match for for no for no stakes. Yet Glacier could be the world title contender as much <laughs> as much as I love Glacier. Uh, I mean, yeah, not a huge amount of positive to say about it. Like a, Joey Janela almost died. That was fun, and he had the yeah. right results. I thought MJF shined as he did later on in the show. He was the right man to be last in there with Adam Page, so there was at least that as well. But yeah, it was just a. All in all, poor start to the show. They followed it up with the librarian skit from oh uh, from God. from being the elite, which was a real low point. And then Kip Sabin and Sammy Guevara had a, a solid but not spectacular match. Did a, did either of those things change your mood going into the pay per view? I thought, uh, the, I mean, the skit was just pure subpar raw. Yeah, it, just it was awful. awful. This is my worry with BTE bleed, bleeds into these shows. Like, this is something. I've been worried about and looking for evidence on like how much being the elite are going to be on the shows. It worries me for TV. Yeah, I think there's someone who who needs. Well, first of all, the the whole issue with the pre-show was it seemed like they fundamentally didn't know what a pre-show is in there to do. Yeah, which is to entice people to buy a pay-per-view, and in no way would you have done this because there was no context for what you were watching at all. It was just like like things going on but it wasn't like all these packages that they would have been like we're kind of used to obviously seeing wwe pre-shows before beforehand where they've got pay-per-view they've got packages beforehand just telling you what the big matches are and why you need to buy this i think a ufc exactly and they have the prelims for that and that's kind of the model that even if anything they should have been going down Mm. i mean with the benefit of hindsight you open this show up with with um, Kip Sabian and 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 Sammy Guevara, who had a perfectly fine match, and they obviously were working their ass off. And Guevara's got some really good, like um, heel charisma, and and Sabian has a very good look. And there's there's there is an upside there. I mean, he's going to hopefully be working with people who are going to be great. And like when we've seen him before, he's he's you know there's room for growth obviously but he's not overexposed and that would have been a kind of good opener to have in there mm. but yeah starting off with the battle royal was terrible this skip pure pure shit mm. and it was like i was i was scared at that point <laughs> yeah i thought about genuinely what is this gonna be <laughs> i was like oh no it's it's like the matrix sequels where the big big takeaway from the first film was we need more of those um sort of ridiculous fighting scenes mm. and mysterious bollocks. That's the takeaway from the success of it. <laughs> and yeah, it was like, it was f- a fine match, but it wasn't as good enough to kind of m- get the taste of the battle Royal and that skit out of your mouth. Mm. Yeah. I think it, it, yeah, I think that going from that, it was definitely, 
it was better. I, I agree with you. It should have gone first. I still think it would have been a little bit underwhelming. Um, but mm. yeah, all in all, yeah, I, I shared your pain. And when when the elite came out and tried to cut their raw raw promo, and ITV cut them off halfway through, like you could see Cody as well looking at his phone and telling everybody they had two minutes. And I was looking at the clock and going, "No, you haven't. You've got one." Uh, <laughs> when they got cut off, I was just thinking, "God, what are we in for?" But it did get better. I mean, it definitely did. I mean, as far as the actual main show goes if anything like i like the idea of having a pre-show but i I would have felt a lot more positive if that and i didn't expect it to be anything spectacular but the scu strong arts match that should have been the first thing anyone saw of all elite because that was great i really enjoyed that i thought that was a nice palate uh, palate cleanser uh from the negativity of the pre-show that kind of uh turned me around uh almost pretty much immediately when the the actual main show started yeah, I don't think, in hindsight, they even should have really done the pre-show because mm-hmm. I just don't think it achieved anything, <laughs> really. And if you're high, trying to highlight your number one contender, surely you'd put them on the main show, not the pre-show. Like That was one of the other f- sort of points, I thought, around the Battle Royal. But yeah, it was kind of a relief to get that first match and to actually have a really nice, like fast-paced, interesting opener good style as well six wrestlers who approved themselves time and time again for mm-hmm. christopher daniels was awesome in it yeah that was like mm-hmm. one of the best performances i've seen from daniels in years what was he 47 48 yeah. god he looks good for his age mm-hmm. and kazarian yeah kazarian yeah. was up for it wasn't he? like i i can't oh. stand this to you like the awful in being the elite i just don't get the bit i know it's for a certain audience but it's just not for me i i, I love bad influences comedy heels in tna but that was a long time ago uh, but yeah, they caught me by surprise, and I think a lot of it was that uh, Christian and, and Chris, uh, Christopher Daniels and Gazarian had their uh, their working boots on. They did. I, I tell you what would have been nice, and we haven't mentioned it. If they stopped doing national anthems, oh my god, that yeah. national anthem was atrocious. <laughs> yeah, that's that, a very good thing. That was yeah. That's uh, that was one of the points we were saying when we were sat here. It felt at that point like it was almost trying to be wwe by throwing that trope in and it just Mm -hmm. it just didn't feel right on this sort of show like no one wanted to see that like i've been in american arenas where the national anthem has been sung and they eat it up they bloody love it but this night nah wasn't the right audience for it it wasn't the right night for it I, i don't know why it was there and also you know what they were fucking terrible, awful voices. Yeah, <laughs> I think I ran off to the toilet. They drove me away. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> but but with, then coming on to this match, yeah, great choice of opener. I mean, um, it's the same Jr. Thought they were Chinese, isn't it? Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll forgive it. They wrestle in China. At those points, Marvez, with his tendency to talk a bit of bollocks, would have been quite handy to kind of sort of <laughs> fill him in on what it is. Even if that was his one role in the match, was just to basically say, this is what OWE is. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, I think it's something that um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Shima and owe from here on in how many because obviously there isn't the kind of graduates of the school haven't come in yet these are the three guys from dragon gate so it's whether or not how much they're going to end up pushing this and how far it can and how far it can go but it's great cscu kind of have that really strong match Mm -hmm. really was really happy for them good to see shima making an effort as well like yeah whenever I've seen him live in Fight Club Pro and at other points he's never really put the effort in but here he actually seemed 
yeah, and I get it. He's in front of 13,000 people on pay-per-view and he's in Las Vegas. Mm. He's in Wolverhampton in front of a bunch of pissheads. <laughs> like, it, it makes sense. But it was good to see him up for it as well. And I don't know, it was just a kind of a, appropriate match to open the show. And like you said, Ben, I wish this was the first thing that absolutely everyone saw. Imagine if this was the pre-show match. Mm. It would have been perfect on the pre-show I think this match there are no stakes to mm. it but it could have got people on board potentially definitely uh, it got a average of 3.6 on grapple I went 3.75 maybe on the high man on that do I, either you go anywhere near that uh, 3.75 three and a half for me yeah. I was going to what were your ratings for the for the pre for the buy-in matches <laughs> half a star for that Royal Rumble I think oh. that Battle Royal I think I was generous I went one star okay uh, I gave it one and a half you know I'm a, I'm a fair man I gave You're Kip, a man on this <laughs> I gave Kip and Sammy 2.75 that feels high but it was alright match I went three three and a quarter something oh, like that oh, was oh, good. I thought it was decent I went, I went three I thought it was, yeah, rock solid. Fair enough. Next up then, the uh, the second match is probably the lowest I went <laughs> on grapple. Uh, women on second. Uh, who, who uh, Good idea there, isn't it? Uh, works. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, to be honest, I was worried when when Brandy came out. Like the, my, one of my biggest mm-hmm. worries, as well as like the being the elite stuff, maybe bleeding too much in the t- into the TV is all the authority figure stuff. Like... Mm. I know that in real life, Cody in the books are an executive vice president or whatever. I worry, you know, if that's going to bleed into storylines, it's just the last thing I want to see. Brandy coming out in full gear, I was worried. I thought she was going to, he's going to do a Stephanie and put herself in the match. It wasn't that bad. She brought out Orson Kong, got a big pop. Uh, I still, I'd still rather not have it. Uh, maybe Brandy is it's the least, uh, the least problem as far as making an authority figure on screen, but. Uh, so as the end result was all right, awesome Kong did enough. A uh, little bit shit on Nyla Rose introducing a different monster who kind of outshined her. Um, but yeah, probably my low match as far as the card goes altogether. But it was still you know solid enough. Do you know what my biggest take from the Brandy Road stuff was? Oh, go on. Tony Khan lied to me. <laughs> no authority figure bullshit. Yeah, yeah, and there was a bit of an authority figure on it. It wasn't all in on being an authority figure, but mm. well, there was hints of it, wasn't there? So me and Tone, perhaps he's just trying to, I don't know. Boy, work you. Maybe, yeah, he's trying to boy me off. But I'll have a word <laughs> to see him next. <laughs> yeah. He's been getting all a completely wrong impression from what he's been reading of Dave Meltzer. He's just taken in an evil direction. <laughs> possibly, yeah. possibly. Definitely. The match itself, um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I'll be honest, Kylie Ray. At the start of the match and after that librarian segment was my most hated wrestler in the world <laughs> for about more than Bailey. Five minutes. Say again. More than Bailey. I like Bailey. Um, fine with Bailey. I think she's good in the ring. I get. I sort of get the appeal of the gimmick. Thought she was great in NXT. Had some really good matches, but Kylie Ray was doing my head in. Like I just wanted to just turn the TV off. And she was in that librarian skit, which hadn't helped. which didn't help. But then by the end of this, I was like, she's all right. Yeah. (laughs) Like she'd won me over by the end of it. So good on her. (laughs) For the weakest link by a country mile was Nyla Rose. Mm. Do you think it's the problem of Awesome Kong being in there? Do you think it kind of detracted from what her biggest selling point is supposed to be? Yes, it did. It did, didn't it? And she looks smaller in comparison Mm. and sort of less less confident. I mean, I think Awesome Kong's actually a really good get. 
I, I, I quite enjoy Awesome Kong. How mm. old is she now? Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming she must be towards her sort of late 30s, early 40s. I mean, I think she's great in Glow as well. I think she's one of the highlights of that show. Um, but, yeah, seeing her, seeing her come in, I think the idea of adding her in, yeah, it kind of killed what Nyla Rose was meant to be, which was the big killer heel. Mm. Which, 42 she is. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. And, and uh, But she's just not ready for sort of the big stage yet, I'd say, as much as anything. Especially in a division but, with Awesome Kong, Asia Kong, and then you've got Nyla Rose. Yeah, mm. exactly. Whereas, I mean, I have to say, I thought Britt Baker was fine. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like a, a sort of really great out, outstanding match. I mean, it's probably helped that the crowds are, were so hot. They're going to be into everything. So they're kind of giving it reaction. It's not like they went completely dead and it kind of sucked the life out of the, the room or anything like that. It was a fine match. It just, they should have really just put on the match that they advertised. That's designed to be one of the things that they're really pushing of how they're different. And it's mm. like... Yeah, don't do the yeah. kind of bait and switch bollocks. Certainly not on like, your first show. I think they were looking for a few little surprises, weren't they? And mm. obviously we got the big surprise at the end of the show. We didn't get the surprise because of the page match being taken off, but it wasn't a surprise. It was a surprise that I could have done without. I'd rather mm. Awesome Kong had just been announced as being in the match beforehand because it felt a bit WWE, didn't it? Yeah. And I think that's what we all want to try and avoid as much as possible. Definitely. Uh, interesting what did you go on uh, grapple i went 2.75 as i mentioned for this one uh 2.5 or something like that i think i can't remember to be honest with you i think i went 2.75 i'm just gonna check now but yeah yeah i think yeah Mm 2.75 yeah definitely the weak point as far as the show goes but it'll get better from there uh up next we had uh joe's favorite wrestler on halico (laughs) Uh, jack hey if it got Jack Evans into onto prominent US TV doing Jack Evans stuff, then it was worth it, mate. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Evans and Angelico versus best friends. It was a match, wasn't it? Uh, more, I think I felt like this only existed just to set up the fact that they can have, like they had two women's matches on the show. There's two tag matches. They want to push this tag division. Uh, it was there for that reason. Not a huge notable for it. Just a, a solid match all in all. Jack Evans was the best man of the match, though. He got he had the most stunning spots, the most creative spots. I was enjoying Jack Evans, showing about his tag partner, but yeah, that's <laughs> you know, fact and Helico was on it, pissed me off. But Evans was awesome, and it was just a match, wasn't it? Really, it felt like it was straight out of that 2016-17. I'm hoping we get more interesting tag teams. I I don't know what oh. it is. I just can't get into. Trent and Taylor I, I just don't do a lot for me comedy team aren't they basically like I, I enjoy the comedy and I think they're the decent in ring but there's always gonna be that comedy element isn't it that kind of it, they're gonna hit a certain mm. level with their matches I, and that's fine but I can kind of get not loving them I I enjoy it within an indie context in terms of like a, a kind of big arena for me it didn't really do it didn't really they, he was just kind of there as much as anything else. I think Trent as a singles had something to him, and I know New Japan were going to do it before he he got injured. And I think at that point in time, I was like, oh yeah, this could be really interesting. And obviously, he's worked on his looks. He's like, looks like fucking Billy Jack Haynes in like '87, just like insanely big. But yeah, this match and Helico looking like a fluorescent condom, just <laughs> like you know. 
he, he was, was there. Just a bad Borussia Dortmund kit from the late nineties, <laughs> didn't it? If anything, yeah, he's just shit. I can do about ever seeing him ever again. But um, I'd like more Jack Evans if we what, get it. Oh, what did yeah. you make the angle for after the match? Oh man, that was like the Super Smash Brothers, like. That stunk of like another worry. I mean, uh, there's so much positive to talk about, but like that's another worrying sign of the Bucks overestimating how over the mates are. Because like, yeah. unless you're following, you were following Shikara years ago, or unless you're a PWG like a hardcore PWG fan, why would you be expected to know what they look like? They just look like, especially when the lights came on, and they just they, they haven't got the best look. And then they're out there with like these ten other indie schlubs in masks and with bellies hanging over the tights. This was the if if it wasn't the battle for the battle royal, this would be the shindiest moment of the night. I didn't understand, right? Because I get that they they really like the matches there with the Super Smash Brothers. They're looking to give them a job and all the rest of it. Fair enough. You're looking out for your mm. mates in many ways. They're a good tag team. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a match. Maybe I have years ago. I, I've definitely seen yeah. Evil Uno wrestle. We saw him in an attack, didn't we? Yeah, but I just I can't I can't remember. Basically, it would have been yeah. a long time ago. But at the same time, why not just put them in this match and do a triple threat tag mm. match, yeah. or, or book them instead of Angelico and Jack Evans potentially? Let, let the like, work speak for itself rather than try and do like a big angle. Yeah, it just it didn't make any sense you, that you'd introduce them like this. You need to actually introduce them. You need packages. You need to give some sort of reason for who they are and what they exist because they just look so diametrically opposed to each other as well as two wrestlers. So it's um, it's like I think of like the work horsemen in that regard where they're kind of they're two very different types of wrestlers, but you kind of get them when you're seeing them. But you still need to kind of introduce them so people get the dynamic, and you don't have that here. And they didn't, Excalibur didn't say the name, so I don't know whether or not they're going to be having to change the name because obviously there's a very popular video game, Super Smash Brothers. So how do you, how do you, um, like, introduce them? It seems like this is, could be possibly veering into sort of supernatural bollocks territory. Oh, no. Uh, well, it, the guys in the mask, the Hallow Wicked mask, is that wrong? Or is it, or, uh, is it just a... Look like the monster crater. <laughs> Speaking of ITV, yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about Chris Brooks putting Hello Wicked over. Maybe this was why, yeah, but I don't really. think so. <laughs> <laughs> what did you give the tag on Grapple? By the way, I went uh, two points, three oh, and 2. a 2. quarter. 5. Yeah, same. JP, I think I was the low man on this. I think it was like two and a half. Interesting. I thought it was sound. I didn't. I enjoyed the Evan stuff and nostalgia, but I didn't enjoy the rest of it. Uh, I think I probably went so, so high just because I enjoyed Jack Evans doing the old to Bulldogs to a to a moonsault to the outside. I think that added the whole star for me. Ah, but then Angelico stood next to him, mate. That's the problem. <laughs> it's like when you see your mate with his, but he brings along his girlfriend who you don't really like, and you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, he's not going to be an hundred percent tonight. We're going to get seventy five percent. Yeah, it felt a bit like that to me. <laughs> yeah, I think I would I would have taken Roddy Strong or Teddy Hart or any of Jack Evans' other uh, tag team partners over him. But again, forget Jack Evans on telly. I'll take it. Uh, next up, we had the uh, the match that was... Did, I don't know if you... Did you see the rumours that this might be getting dropped from the show? Like Jim Ross cut a... At, at Starcast, apparently, was that when he was running through the card, he outright said, I don't understand why this match is on the show. The, uh, the six-person Joshi tag. Uh, 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing just from speaking to, from seeing you guys comments before the show, you weren't you weren't loving this one. Uh, I went back and rewatched it today mm. because I'd heard so seen so many people who are who are um, like really raving about it, mm. and so I ended up rewatching it. At the time, I just I don't know, just couldn't couldn't get into it. Mm. I thought it was fine. Just, it was a good match with a fluff finish for me. Um, <laughs> Yes. This, this is Hikaru Shida, uh, Ryo Abe, uh, Ryu Mizunami, Asia Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura. Uh, I thought it was a good match, just with a fluff finish. Uh, I thought yeah. it was on the It was different. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I'm not like a, I wasn't raving about it afterwards, but I thought it was a, a solid different match to have on the card. And I think even if the finish did go wrong, they, they covered it well enough. On a kind of one-off pay-per-view, I kind of get the idea of it. I mean, he didn't have... Obviously, it's kind of famed within sort of pay-per-views of all, like the big shows of thinking about ECW bringing in Rey Mysterio, Juventud and Psychosis. And then you had, um, uh, what was it, Mishinoku Pro on on Barely Legal. It won that. Nah, it, was, it wasn't of that level. I don't know what you think about Dragon Gate in um, Ring of Honor when they... When they when they brought them on, Benno. Well, but, they were getting wrestled. Of the I didn't love the Dragon Gates. Mm, I thought it was really overrated and Ring of Honor. But they were getting wrestling Observer match of the year yeah. awards and stuff. This this was like it's, it's it not perfectly for me. fine. I don't, mm. I don't I don't get it. It's like we were talking about the genres of like genres of film and stuff that you don't. Know. It doesn't mean you hate film. Mm. It just means you don't you, do, you don't particularly enjoy things like, of that genre. I don't like period dramas. Mm. I don't get them. Country based soaps. You're not a fan of that either. No, exactly. That's a quite a niche genre, that one. I suppose Joshy is also a niche genre, but yeah, I, I don't get it. It was fun. I mean, I kind of want to see them interact necessarily within the wider women's roster that they have. I think mm. that might be of more interest of me in the future of where it goes. I, I thought it was it was a good match, but like I say, the, the finish, the fluff finish, because when they came back to it, and as good as they were to just sort of carry on, and the ref and the referee making sure that the timekeeper knew that he kind of fucked up and this is carrying on, <laughs> it still killed the crowd at the end. Yeah, it did, and it, that's it. It kind of that's all you can. No matter the work you put in before, even if you weren't hugely high on it with a finish like that, that's what you're going to remember. But I, I maybe I'm the high man, but I went three on it. Uh, I'm guessing you two are a bit lower. No, no, I went, um, I went three point two five. How about you, Joe? Two point seven five. Oh, there we go. So within, within, still within range. Uh, yeah, for some people, this seems to be one of the highlights of the night. But uh, yeah, not not so much for me, even though I did enjoy it. But I think I'd share your opinion. Yeah, maybe I'd like to see Asia. Uh, Asia Kong did kind of. I was wasn't expecting much from her, and I thought she did a decent job of just uh, throwing the others around and being dominant, and maybe interested to see her in the in the proper women's division, and maybe one or two others in the match. But yeah, not 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 as as big a highlight for me as it uh, as it seemed to be for everyone else. Mm. Right, shall we uh, get to the business end of the card then? Uh, I think that's kind of what's left. Uh, the the main members of the elite matches uh, kind of started with the last three matches of the card. Started with. Uh, probably the highlight of the card for me, Cody and Dustin. Um, not so much for the match, but purely for Cody using his a uh, sledgehammer to destroy the Triple H throne. I mean, take that, sports entertainment ah. enthusiasts. I mean, it's like, I should hate it. I don't know where you two stand on it, but I loved it. I enjoyed Tipsy Cody on the, uh, like we said before, on the, on the StarCast panel, giving WWE shit. And this, 
as you know unsubtle as it was i thought it was great i'm quite happy uh, to for cody to be the one to uh to shoot the bullets at uh trips in wwe oh if there's anything that's going to get me on board <laughs> it's shots at wwe loved it oh. like triple h is insane pettiness at the hall of fame mm. that i'd never saw but heard about oh, he started thought, it like, he started it definitely like people are yeah, giving them shit he's how yeah. paranoid are that the pa- paranoia must just seep down through that company and with an ego as fragile as triple h's oh this will get to him and <laughs> absolutely brilliant because the more of this the better like good on cody for taking a shot an absolute cunt at the end of the day good on the man <laughs> yeah i'm i'm with this if you're if somehow like I, I get the idea of those people who don't want to see them do that they probably would you know not exactly like wwe themselves but just the idea of not going on with it yeah i love this mm. i mean i, I, I kind of want to see more of it this sounds <laughs> i know really quite childish but knowing how petty they are yeah. that how they possibly could end up reacting to stuff is going to be oh, very yeah. fascinating because obviously they overreact to everything and they're just entirely reactive at this point mm. so stuff like this will get to them and it will get to him do you, mm. do you know what i loved as well cody went in there right cody with his limitations on a big show with an older man in gold yeah. dust, and he had a great match. Triple mm. H at WrestleMania this year does not know his limitations, and his ego outweighs his limitations, yeah. and mm. he booked himself in a 25-minute match that was utter shite. Mm. Uh, yeah, that occurred to me. One thing I don't want to see from this is chief executive versus chief executive. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that is the fear of fears, the chief executive super fight at some Maybe, point. Maybe uh, like, Cody will do a Bischoff and, ch- and challenge into a shoot fight on the next AEW pay-per-view. Maybe he could do that. Sat on a motorbike. I'd even be up for that. Because when <laughs> Bischoff did it, it was sort of like, well, Vince isn't a wrestler. I don't think Vince had wrestled at that point, had he? And it was just a bit ridiculous. But Triple H wrestles like, get in yeah it would it would hurt his ego but mm. do you know one of these two companies is doing a, a show in saudi arabia in the next couple of weeks so and he's wrestling on it and he's wrestling on it and yeah. so yeah they can get to fuck it's a slightly worse crime isn't it than uh than, yes, than petty is. shots on your on your pay-per-view i mean i did have like one minor like in the moment and i turned out to be completely wrong i was kind of like well in this story isn't cody kind of technically supposed to be the heel and he was going to get cheered anyway so it didn't really hurt did it that he got leaned in that he leaned into it uh and it didn't hurt the match at all because my god was this like the blood the emotion like this was for me but i don't know if it's the best match of the night but it's definitely my favorite match of the night yeah, I think I think it's the best match of the night. I've watched it twice. Um, I watched it back again today before we recorded, mm. and I liked it more than I did the first time. And I loved it the first time I watched it. Mm, but there were little—I think it was probably because I felt a bit fresher today as well. But there were little things that I noticed in the match that I didn't notice first time round. That mm. they were doing, and there were little things that maybe didn't occur to me as well first time round. And you know what? Emotion is really hard to create in wrestling in 2019. Mm. And this was full of emotion. And it was completely different to anything I've seen this year. Like One of the things I really like about what we've seen since All In is the presentation of, say, the NWA title, but also the presentation of a match like this with Cody, Mm. where they've leaned into this kind of former storytelling that we don't see that much in wrestling anymore and there's almost like a prestige and an honor to the match as well and the style of match and the things it's playing off of 
are things that we don't see a lot in the type of wrestling that we watch now. Mm. So it feels more akin to like sort of 80s NWA or yes. early 90s WCW, mm. which you can clearly tell was the wrestling Cody grew up on number one because I've heard him talk all about how he loved early 90s WCW, as do I. Mm. But also think about Goldust's upbringing in the business as well. Yeah. So it compel- And think about Goldust's years in WCW in that early period as well. So it completely works from that point of view because they're doing something that's fresh and they're using influences that have not been mm. kind of, I don't know, unless you're watching like a revival match where they're using that sort of old school tag stuff, you're not getting this a lot anymore. And good on them because they they got this over in a big, big way. And for me, this was match of a night. Yeah, definitely. Um, couldn't say yeah. it any better, really. I think, yeah, just it was different. And that's what's, that's what's important here. That's what... Again, I had some negatives on maybe the production and early elements of, of the night, but this is what AEW should be. They, they should be, exactly mm. as you said there, Joe, serving fans what we've not been getting from WWE. And there was absolutely nothing, JP, about this match that you would get in a WWE presentation. People were complaining about this not happening at, was it WrestleMania three or four years ago? Uh, I know yeah. they ended up having a, a, a one-off Stardust Goldust match on some B-pay-per-view at some point, but it never would have lived up to this. This was just something special and something you're not getting elsewhere. I was trying to think of a brother versus brother match that's kind of yeah. felt oh, yep. felt like this They usually before. fail, don't they? Usually it goes on. Yep, yep, every time. And I think WWE's complete inability to ever tell those stories meant that it was the best thing that it wasn't there. Mm. And I always think with... It's kind of forgotten about um, Dustin Rhodes and the nature of his career. The the period of him in WCW before he went to WWF as Goldust and effectively had to work an entirely different character and style, which a lot of the time did never presented the fact of... And I grew up, and it was quite weird, so I kind of disliked him because I didn't like the character but I always kind of knew he was a good wrestler seeing him in these matches with with Rick Rude primarily and Steve Austin and you know being really kind of solid mid-card matches where he was very young and you kind of forget how good he is and we were talking about um, when we were watching it last night about the match he had with Randy Orton where he was able to um, sort of showcase how good he is and how smooth he is in the ring, mm-hmm. which is incredible for his age and how he's kind of and how he's kept himself up. This was like uh, very early on, they started doing the You Still Got It chance. And it was, you know, not long really around that point. It was like, this bloke's really one of the best wrestlers on the roster. It's interesting you get a match to that Randy Orton match as well, because that was another match that was based around emotion at that point in time yeah. as well, but with the nature of a storyline. Mm. And you put him in an emotional match with kind of stakes and a storyline, and his fundamentals are absolutely sound. Mm. Give him that storyline, and he can deliver. Like I've always been a fan of him. I like mm. his early WCW stuff is great. There's that kind of dark I don't period. like Gold Dust. I don't mind Gold Dust. There are points of Gold Dust that I like, and he did have good matches when he was allowed to as mm. Gold Dust as well. Sort of 2009 period, he was having mm. good matches on SmackDown. I remember he had a match with Chris Jericho and Superstars. Really, really good. I think it was Je- when was it when Jericho was world champion? I can't remember, but it was really good. But when he's allowed to rest 
wrestle. He's a great wrestler. And those fundamentals never go away. Mm -hmm. Little things like his instincts, his timing as well at various points. Mm. He's a different sort of wrestler to more or less anyone else we saw on that card last night. And he feels like he's from a completely different era of wrestling where those fundamentals were maybe established that little Mm. bit more. You work on those a little bit more because less was more back then in many ways. Mm. And it still works. Like It still gets over today. He, he also knows how to blade like the old oh fella did as well. That's, oh, that was my big, but it all ties together, doesn't it? It was like, yeah, he's very sympathetic as a wrestler. Like the the amount of sympathy I had for him is like a baby face. Part of it was that he was juicing a gusher. That it was like, I, I don't think I've been as worried for a wrestler ju- juicing like that since like Eddie Guerrero, JBL. You know where you're watching it, thinking yeah. it's getting to a bit here where I'm th- I'm worried about like his his overall health. Obviously, he's fine after the match, but I think part of that's me getting worked as well by him being so sympathetic and lying on the mat on the mat as that blood kind of pours out of his head. Um, but again, there was just something visceral about it, wasn't there? That just took it to that next level. Uh, I was going to say whenever he managed to do any reversals after that, I was like instantly yes. hooked. So you're worried, and then Almost when he managed to end in a way. Like almost was kind of hoping that it would end just so we could go backstage. You know what I mean? It was it just it added something. I think as well, uh, you know, uh, in terms of we're, we're not focusing as much as well on on Cody. This is the best use of Cody Rhodes the wrestler. Yeah. If he's if he's wrestling kind of relatively sparingly, but in these kind of big emotional matches, it's like that's the niche that mm. he works in best, and he's limited. You said last night, it was a comment I was really thinking about when when I rewatched this, where mm. it'd been really good if he hadn't gone straight to the performance, like straight yeah, to kind yeah. of OV, was it OVW or Deep South? Uh, he was it was a, one uh, of them, FCW yeah. maybe, yeah. I can't remember. But, oh, he's yeah, a WWE lifer, isn't he? Like he's he's purely the product yeah. of that system. And and I think that's the one thing, because I think that some of those like fundamentals that you're talking about with, with kind of uh, that Dustin Rhodes has and the people that he was working with, like if he'd had that to it as well, he'd be, I mean, my God, he'd, he'd be a proper maker. Like he'd be a bigger star than he is now. Yeah, I think let Cody do these do story-based matches. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. going to work. Like yeah. they've worked twice now. I think they'll continue to work yeah. if you let him and it's the right opponent. Mm. Eventually you'll have one with MJF and that'll be a, probably a great reaction. To I that. think they might go back to the Dustin match at some point. Because if they're tagging together, which I think is a good move, I like yep. that. Mm. And I'm fine with them being a tag team for a bit. Mm. I think you'd even do a little rival with the Bucks potentially. I loved their matches when they were first a tag team in WWE. Before WWE forgot about them and just went, ah, whatever, gold dust and stardust. Do you remember those matches with the Shield? Oh, those God. were absolutely awesome. They were some of the best tag matches we'd seen in years mm. in WWE at that point in time. Until um, Dusty put his hand in Steph's face and then it all came crashing down. Oh, mate, that was one of my favourite moments of the last six, seven years <laughs> in WWE. Like, when he absolutely, I hate Stephanie McMahon. Like she, she is just oh. the absolute worst, and the worst kind of fake as well of all her philan- philanthropic bollocks yeah. as well. Just an awful human being. And I was gonna say any complaints about Brandy Rose? Just remember who you're comparing her, comparing <laughs> yeah. her up against. Dusty owning her was just a great moment, if you ask me. But yeah. Yeah, I'm all up for a little tag run for these guys as well, and then possibly another match because I think we. Like my initial criticism was, ah, it'd be nice if they tagged first and then they mm. led to the match. Perhaps the long-term plan is match team 
another match, possibly. Mm. We'll see. I'd take it. Uh, what you give it on Grapple? I went 4.25. Feels low now, now that I think about it. We'll see. I actually went four, but mm. I love the match more than I kind of think it actually sort of better was on, as a match. But I did initially, actually, and I changed it. Yeah. Yeah, I went four on yeah. the first watch, and then when I rewatched it, there, I was like, "No, I'll give it a quarter of a star more." I did watch it? Do you know what? I could easily watch it for a third time. Yeah. It's really enjoyable. I it's mean, I remember really watching Cody Nick Aldis, <laughs> which I didn't think was going to happen at the no. start. Of the but do you know what? He, he I, have to, I, Cody's, he's kind. I say he's made a believer in me. I'll always have the sort of skepticism necessarily about the work, but him as a character and being able to structure a big time match. Like, yeah, you know, he gets it. And, and he's got a personality and he cares yeah. as well. And it's the mm. fact he does care and he's invested mm. that is always going to work for me. If you're invested, cool. That's always going to work. One thing I just want to say as well is last week, obviously, I had a massive rant about Jimmy Avoc's blood loss. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> was blood loss for a reason? Yeah, I think his blade job was a bit too deep. It was pretty horrible. Yeah. But there was a reason to this. There was an emotion that it created. Definitely. And it was... And it's probably going to be done sparingly. Mm. Jimmy Hatton's blood loss was in a completely different context. Oh, yeah. If Bleeding he was, for all sake. If he was on well, the card, he'd have done that, and it would have meant nothing. Mm. Sorry, I, Benno. I was going to say, yeah, if he was on the card, he would have, he would have either bled the same amount, and it would have meant absolutely nothing. Like, there's a... We, th- that's pretty much what we said last week, wasn't it? There's a time and a place. And, like, mm. for me, like, that stuff, the emotion... I might even annoy like the star rating purists out there, but I reckon I went up from four to four point two of two five purely for the post match. I don't care; it's part of the presentation. Like the the yeah. emotion of that post match, and, and the real emotion of Cody wanting to team with Dustin and not letting him retire, and wanting his older brother by his side as his voice cracked. Like genuinely, like as part of the presentation, that made it just that bit better for me. Like that that stuff is important, and that stuff goes a long way as well to 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 what makes it all just mean something and that's why maybe i'm so high on it kind of pro wrestling perfection mm. if you think of all of those aspects of it mm. it's kind of like the story the drama the match itself the post-match like you say is a complete package yeah I'll, I'll go back and watch this might end up upgrading it wouldn't be surprised it deserves it sprinkling <laughs> a ddp yes uh, one last thing as well. Some of the stuff Goldust was putting out, that code ready did. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was a shame the Vertebraker Breaker went a little bit wrong, but yeah. Uh, never thought I'd see. It was better than um than John Cena's code red, at least. We've got that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were I thought they were really smart as well to follow this match up with the Bret Hart segment. Like apparently, mm. according to Bruce Mitchell, it was a, it was initially gonna be Ric Flair, which I think would have had a big impact itself as well. I thought Brett was great here and being the one to to unveil the title belt. I didn't love the segment all in all, but to to be honest, we had Jack Whitehall in bring it out Bret Hart and then getting interrupted by MJF. I mean, type that sentence out. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it didn't all work, but it was a nice little come down, wasn't it, from the match that came before it? This Jack Whitehall stuff, I'm really intrigued by. Best yeah. mates. I- I play football with a guy me and JP used to work with who works for Jack Whitehall's production company. And I am going to be questioning him <laughs> on Tuesday night when I see him about Jack Whitehall's involvement in this and seeing if I can get anything out of it. Because he, he has to go and meet up with him all the time to film stuff with him and do stuff for his website and all sorts. So, yeah, he'll know that he was in Vegas and all the rest of it. So I'm, I'm going to be 
quizzing him on this and see what I can get out of it on it because I am really intrigued by this. He's clearly a mate of Big Tones as well, isn't he? Best mate, apparently. That's what Big Tones said. He said in an interview, he's my best friend. Does that mean, like, do you reckon he's he's got Whitehall onto reading The Observer? Because that in and of itself seems like a strange... Apparently he's a lapsed wrestling fan. Yeah, he's he's like his casual mate. You know when you've got that mate who's kind of half into wrestling and you bore him by talking about... At least I do that anyway. And you bore him by talking (laughs) about modern wrestling. That's Big Tone and Jack Whitehall. He's telling him about New Japan and the best of the Super Juniors and Jack's just glazing over. That's their relationship, I reckon. Oh, I would like to see Jack Whitehall and Ric Flair now you've said that as well. Like, <laughs> Bret Hart's weird, but Ric Flair uh, would have been even weirder. Yeah, yeah. But I thought the segment was, I'll be honest, uh, MJF's promo was good, but as a segment, yeah. I thought it was weird. It was a mess. Kind of went nowhere and was really convoluted. And it was very WWE. It was very WWE. And I like the fact MJF got on the show. Mm. Uh, he had a good line in there, didn't he say about like, Oh, Brett, there's a fan coming or something like that. Oh, okay. His whole promo was good. Like, he was clearly, like, the difference. I mean, I would say it was a very WWE-looking segment, but we were kind of talking about it, watching it last night. And the difference here is it, it did feel like he was, you know, shooting from the hip. He was reacting to the crowd. He was, you know, just saying what felt right for the scenario. Mm. Um, and he, he did. He stole the segment, MJF. He did come across as a star. But, yeah, I didn't really understand interjecting Havoc and Jungle Boy in there into your world title segment. They uh, clearly like it both. Messy. I like Jungle Boy, but, you know, take away the theme. Uh, I don't know. Is he, is he a top-level player? Uh, even Adam Page, to be they, honest. They mentioned the Luke Perry thing. They mentioned that he was Luke, he's Luke Perry's son. Mm. They, they did mention that on commentary. Oh, I'm sure all the girls like him too. You know, he's a, he's a good-looking young lad. Yeah. He's, and also, bringing it back to the casino battle roll, didn't mention it there. On the no, they didn't, but show. at least yeah. they got it on the main show. Yeah. They got it on the main show. Jimmy Avoc, though, they're clearly going to do something with. And I'll, you know what? I've slagged Jimmy Avoc off a lot. <laughs> he looked up for it last night. Yeah. And I'm assuming he was off the beer all day, which is always a good thing. <laughs> so the fact that you think of Jimmy Avoc in British promotions, for the most, Jimmy Avoc, when he works at British promotion, he is bigger than the promotion he's working a lot of the time. A brand havoc is probably worth more than, say, Fight Club Pro, mm. right? So he can just get away with what he wants. He does stuff at Progress. He works backstage as well. I'll have a beer. Here, he probably can't have a beer before his match. No. So there's probably a bit more focus. There's probably a bit more motivation. This is his big opportunity to go make it. So. Yeah. I'm hoping he can recreate some of the Will Ospreay magic, potentially, and mm. continue this uh, motivation he showed last night. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said about poor Jimmy Havoc, so, you know. Uh, mate, should... come on. I used to put that Osprey feud <laughs> up in a big you way. You did. And his work during his title run was some of the best I've ever seen by <laughs> a personality, but it, the bad more than outweighs the good of him at this point in time. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, it was a weird. It was just for me. It was weird that again they were out there during this world title. So like you keep, I would be keeping them far away from the world title. Um, what do you think about um, Adam Page being immediately involved in the top line? So I, I think, I think I'm the low man on Adam Page. I like him. I, I think mm-hmm. he's. I think he's good enough. I think he's a good. He's a good prospect. I think if I was AEW, I would be wanting to push him. But I don't know. Is it a bit early for me? It feels a bit early. I don't think he's a. I've not really seen him cut a top level promo. I've seen him have some very good matches. Um, I don't know where you stand on them going immediately to him and him, you know, going forward, he's going to be a a contender for the world title. Well, without sort of jumping ahead, 
I kind of I don't see him winning the title initially, mm. and that and that would obviously be the the best way to go. I kind of see the point. He needs effectively it needs a bit of the t- this is where the tv show comes into mm. it he needs an element of kind of building him up on a weekly tv before you go in that direction i get pushing him certainly to the kind of being one of the six or so people that they're kind of relying on the top of the card because they do need to flesh that out i'm also thinking at some point mjf will end up around mm. there at, that's at, where at i see state. him though that mjf level. i think he should be feuding with mjf on that like you know, US title, not quite world title stage. I don't know. But then again, yeah. have they got the numbers? But it's, I think it's a punt worth taking. Mm. I, I think I'm with you as well, though, Benno. I think if one of the... It sounds weird saying this, one, because it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. One of the worst things could have happened to him was not getting another year or two in New Japan. Because mm. I think he was coming on really well. He had a really good G1. He really improved during that period as well and came out of it more confident. I think he would have gone from strength to strength. And I think him not wrestling for a good five months is probably not great for his development at this at this stage. I wish they'd have said to him, you know what, you go get some more experience. Go out there on the indies, represent our brand out of the indies, push AEW, and you improve yourself while you do it. Because mm. I think that he's probably not had enough time to get some, some extra experience Experience mm. during that time and yeah it doesn't it feels too early i like him he's a good talent mm. he's also got i can see his appeal as a sort of good looking bloke as well and all the rest of it mm. and he's got a story he's a former school teacher mm. like there's always a story to that sort of thing he comes across i mean in terms of like the kind of innate charisma like you mentioned about the promos himself not, not having any killer promos yet there is a kind of in, inherent likability about him True. and that kind of is a good is a really good start at least having that that kind of with him there as well. And he has shown that he's willing and is able to improve. Uh, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have him at that. Obviously wouldn't have him at that level yet. I think, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show, the direction of where they go from here. I kind of can see possibly what they're going to do in terms of trying to sort of initially do something with him and mm. then kind of build it up to a much sort of longer substantial chase where there's been a bit of TV where he's had a few more matches, he's a bit more into yeah. the groove and hopefully gets the character over in that time. I think one of the things I do like about him is his offense. His yeah. offense works really well in the context of his character. Like, I love, shot I love the kind of rough edge on his offense. Mm. Like it, it, it just works. It's something a bit mm. different about it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a risk we're taking. Like I wouldn't. I don't think he's going to crash and burn by any means. Uh, no, but you know, I guess, uh, I guess it remains to be seen. We'll, uh, we'll see how he does in that top picture. But yeah, we went from that segment to. I don't know, my, I think my match of the night, although I'm kind of doubting myself going back now. Uh, Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers, uh, completely different style of match to, to Cody yeah. and Dustin, and that's what I appreciate about this show all in all, that there was, you know, a little bit of variety. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Lots of Bucks callbacks to Motor City Machine Guns, El Generico, Excalibur, again, on the ball, getting those references. Uh, I thought Phoenix was his usual, unbelievable, effortless self. Penta was a charisma machine, as he always is. Is um, mm. hugely popped for that step up destroyer on the apron that he did. Uh, it was very much a very much the one a, that nearly killed um, oh, Nick Jackson. Yeah, very much a spot match. You know that that kind of is uh, exactly what this match was. Uh, but I enjoyed the pace of it, and I enjoyed the way it kind of the the insanity kind of built and built. Uh, could have put Phoenix and Penta over, but you know the, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll win the rematch in AAA. Uh, all in all, yeah, really really enjoyed this match. I think. 
it's the match of the night for me. Um, but I don't know. Thinking about it now, I think it's between. It's definitely between that and Cody and Dustin, at least. Well, bringing it all back to the film stuff at the beginning, watching this match after seeing Cody Dustin is like if you watched it, an excellent comedy and an excellent horror film, two very completely different films and excellent in entirely different ways. Mm. And the show up to this point hadn't had a match like this, no. and so it kind of it was it was it felt different. You hadn't been burnt out by something similar to this earlier on. Like even if they'd done a kind of scramble match or something like that, I think that really would have taken away from it. And I liked what the Bucks managed to do, which was kind of work as if they had ring rust. And it sort of looked very, very convincing. It's always been ironic to say about their selling not being very good. And then you find out that um, Matt Jackson had been selling that back and it was fine all along <laughs> when he'd been selling it for that extended period of time. And here they managed to sell the fact that there was little miscommunication issues as well, mm. which kind of played into the doubt. Like you, um, I mean, I gave it, uh, I went 4.2, I went 4.25 for it same, on, on, on Grab. Um, I thought the Lucha Brothers would uh, should have gone over um, for that just to kind of try and really build them up as the kind of like big tag team, try and get a couple in there as well. I suppose it makes sense that they'll probably they win it back. Contracts though, have they? No, but they'll win True. back the titles of Triple Mania now. Well, JP's That's... biggest take from this. Do you remember your biggest take? Well, at least we'll get something decent at Triple Mania. <laughs> we, will, we will do. Yeah. It was like well, you're watching. You're well. the only person who's thought that following that result, mate. So. <laughs> Good to know you're thinking of Triple A at all times. Uh, there was a few times I brought up Triple A. I think watching this, you bring them up way too much, mate. <laughs> way too much. What, uh, what did you give the match to? I went, I went four point two five as well. So mm. yeah, census opinion on the star rate in there. I thought to myself, it was between this and the Cody and Goldust for match of the night. But you know, as good as this was, and as much as I like the element of the story. I've seen this match a mm. lot, you know what I mean? Or this style of match and this type of tag match. Whereas Cody and Goldust, you don't see a hell of a lot. And it it's going to be my memory from mm. the show, if anything. But this was an excellent tag match, an excellent kind of modern-day high-flying tag match mm. with a nice element of storytelling to go in there as well. I popped big time at a couple of points. That uh, Canadian, like, what was it? The Canadian Destroyer where Pentagon jumps off Phoenix's back yeah. into the Canadian Destroyer on the apron. The El Generico Brainbuster where me and Excalibur both lost our shit at exactly the same time and said basically the same thing. Yeah, there was some really cool stuff in there as well. And the references that played back on previous Bucks feuds and matches was all very nice. And I thought a really good way to establish what a great part of this uh, promotion taxing wrestling is going to be, which JR was really happy about as well. Yeah. Although I did feel like he was feigning enthusiasm oh. where he said, this is amazing a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. He knows where Do he's you... getting paid from, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm all for seeing tag belts when they come along that are sort of as competitive and as kind of valued as the world mm. title because I love tag team wrestling and I want to see proper tag team wrestling like this on big shows. Definitely. And you can tell the the likes of the revival and that we're probably watching this just thinking, yeah, can't wait to get out of that contract and uh and go to a promotion where quite obviously that's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, it. I can't wait either. Get Shank Gable out of there and get him in a tag team over here as well. Oh, I'd take it, definitely. Uh but yeah, really great match. Uh four point three nine. Um 
on grapple so it is the highest rate of match as far as mm. uh, matches go on grapple 4.29 is what the uh what dustin and cody got but yeah uh if you could pick either of those two matches as match of the night and uh, i wouldn't argue too much with you um what i would argue with though i mean going into the main events didn't love it uh, I, it was, I think it's going to get forgotten because of the aftermath of it but I didn't. Mm. I think Jericho and Omega was probably the biggest disappointment on the show for me. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Maybe I was expecting too much. Maybe I was expecting drunken brawler Chris Jericho, and instead we kind of just got a got a you know an above average, but you know not great wrestling match. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was the finish, that back elbow. I mean, good God. I mean that that's not a finish. That's a reversal to a German suplex. You know what I mean? It's like maybe that's what it was. Uh, there was a couple of fluff spots in there with Jericho trying to keep up with Omega. And I think they fluffed a couple of code breaker attempts uh, to be expected, you know, given his age. Uh, this, regardless, they both felt like top line stars. They had the big entrances. It did feel like a main event. Um, but again, they had they had a tough act to follow with those previous two matches. So I don't know. Am I being too harsh? Um, I I liked it more than you did. Mm. Um, and I think I probably enjoyed the fact it wasn't drunken brawler Chris Jericho. I was surprised. I yeah. really expected that. Mm. And I think that was kind of part of the intrigue of it for me. And yeah, there, there were um, some fluff spots and the whole cracker barrel bit at the beginning was weird. <laughs> Jericho's reaction was great. It was great. Yeah, it was felt like an do you believe what waiting? I was listening to post wrestling and waiting was saying he thinks that was an ab placement, like they've purposely done it to bring some attention to the cracker barrel. Any uh, any merit in that conspiracy theory? Ah, uh, Jericho's reactions looked kind of instinctive to me, so it was um, funny. You never know, but it was funny. But Benno, you've had your fill on drunken brawler Chris Jericho this <laughs> month, so you shouldn't be too disappointed. Well, we're, we're, save, we're saving that for Ask Rev, Joe. Let's just say after the uh, after the wrestling con in Liverpool, Jericho had a few drinks uh, and there might have been some disagreements with certain WWE Hall of Famers, but tune in to Ask Rev, Joe, at the end of the year and I'll tell that full story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as a match, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't love the endings. I don't love his uh, John Jones-style spinning elbow or whatever. So that bad. video was very unconvincing of Ooh. him to do yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know what? One thing, and we're sort of we're talking around the match, but the actual packages building up matches, I didn't like on the show. I didn't think they brought anything different to your just regular wrestling build-up packages. And I thought we might see a slightly different approach when it came to those pre-match uh, packages. I was a bit disappointed with that. And whoever the editor is loves playing with these ridiculous transitions and flashy editing techniques, and they were kind of doing my editing. Mm. And I thought the Jericho uh, Omega package left a lot to be desired, to be honest with you. It uh, didn't really do a lot for me, but I don't know what you guys thought of those video packages. Um, I didn't have a strong take on them, really. Uh, it was a lot of stuff I'd already seen on, you know, Before the Bell and... Um... Road to double or nothing. Um, certainly nothing hugely memorable or anything that I walked away saying wow from. So, yeah, they didn't really have that wow factor. I was going to yeah, I mean, I thought I did a lot. I preferred the stuff they did with Omega when he was training out at his parents' house, which mm. looks quite looks quite nice. Um, good wooden structure to it. It looks like a very eco house. I digress. The kind of place <laughs> Wolverine might live in his exactly. Canadian days. Yeah. yeah, isolating himself away from the world. I didn't mind that up until the point we ran on top of a hill and shouted Jericho. 
on top of his voice. And he was like, oh, for fuck's sakes, you didn't need that. You kind of already had the montage bit before it. But I think they, they probably just needed, yeah, it, it didn't really work. And, and yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not mad on that finisher either. That's an odd thing. If it was just sort of a transitional move to something else. If he did like it like the Rainmaker, his... you know, if he had like some yeah. kind of special element to it where he pulls them in and then does it, maybe. But it just looks like an old fat man trying to reverse elbow. Um, again, What's rem- wrong with reminisce. Right yeah, yeah. He just likes to, he likes to mix things up though, doesn't he, Jericho? Maybe he's a uh, maybe he put, he's pulled that out before in a drunken barber roll, and he thought it would be good. It would uh, work in the wrestling environment. Or he just likes John Jones and thought he'll try and imitate <laughs> what he does. Possibly, um, I don't know why he would like John Jones. Man's an arsehole, and I love Chris Jericho. But yeah, at the same time, I thought Jericho in the match. It was the best regular straightforward wrestling match i've seen him having a long time i thought Mm. and yeah there were a couple of little botches here and there but i still thought he kept up for the most part i thought he started tailing a little bit towards the end bit cardio possibly but for the Mm. most part i thought it was a pretty good main event i thought it delivered like in a way that it kind of needed to but it wasn't that over the top main event if Mm. if that makes Mm. sense it wasn't anywhere near as good as their first match in new japan but I think based on what that was, I just expected a second version of that match. I was quite surprised at just how much of a regular wrestling match this really was. Mm. What do you give it on Grapple? Four. I went 3.75. Mm, I went 3.5, but I could have easily done 3.25. Uh, don't know, Ooh. maybe I was tired as well. It was getting towards five in the morning, but... <laughs> that- there, at that point in time, it was light outside, and that <laughs> yeah. was a bleak, bleak feeling. And it was like, oh, <laughs> but at least shit. it was Saturday and it wasn't Sunday. I mean, uh, I'll stay up for every one of these AEW pay-per-views if they're on a Saturday, but uh, I would say, yeah, it, it, the match at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because we, 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 yes. we had our big Jericho win, and then we very quickly moved on to, to John Moxley coming out. I mean... Uh, it was quite clear when Jericho was cutting the promo that that was, you know, I was thinking to myself, there's no way we can end this show on a Jericho heel promo. And yeah, I'll, I'll claim Moxley. I loved it. I loved the presentation of it. He coming out with no music, with his new look, mm-hmm. with Mox sprayed on the back. There was no TNA. We know who that is, Mike. You know, it's, uh, there was no reference. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't hear the name Dean Ambrose mentioned once. Uh, the cra- Even the crowd, you know, it was full on Moxley chants. Thought the brawl was great. Uh, it was a little bit weird that they kind of brawled into the crowd, but that made sense in the end. Uh, yeah, this was like the cherry on top for for AWs. Something maybe we expected to happen, although maybe we had some doubts. But still, massive moment when it happened, and yeah, the uh, the talk of the wrestling world uh, today. It was like the kind of what it reminded me of, and he he looked looked very similar, and it was almost shot exactly the same way. Was Scott Hall coming through the crowd? Mm. On on nitro, just the way he came through, and he was, and he had the kind of sleeveless. I prefer uh, what Scott, Scott Scott was double denim. I prefer yeah. that to what Moxley <laughs> was wearing. But it it did it like you said the presentation of it was spot on because it, him coming in is not entirely unexpected, but the way that they played it up, it felt immediately like a big like a big match, and it kind of, sorry like a like a big deal, and it also did the the whole angle did the good thing of sort of setting up two main events oh, that was great that, mm. they did that incredibly well I thought. and and i think that's where we talk about pager earlier on i think that's where 
that the main event of having the kind of after the the Moxley um, Omega stuff, which is a, obviously a really fresh match. And then you've got Paige who can be kind of protected in the match against Jericho as well. And the pressure isn't necessarily on that match to to be the big one. It was it was really it was like the perfect presentation of mm. of how it could be because it could have gone so badly wrong. And it also kind of killed all the other stuff Stone Dead about that I'd always quietly thought about. This seems like they've been far too nice to him. This seems like it's some sort of bullshit angle, and he's buggering off for six months, and he's allowed to work evolve or something like that. Mm. It like kind of killed that stone dead, so it felt exciting. Moxley seemed completely up for it as well. Yes. Like, he looked like he was really enjoying this. Yeah, didn't he? like it, it, his punches had more spice to them as yeah. well. The like, DDT, he looked like they were a bit rougher around the edges, yeah. but better for it. Yeah. You can tell he's wanted to get out of there for a long time, and good on him because I think we've got a refreshed character. I've not been interested in him since, I don't know, the shield originally broke up, mm. I don't think. And there was a point he was really over the single as well. Mm. And they didn't re- they, they didn't do anything with him. And then he Brock. was... That Lesnar match, yeah, that was mm. just awful. And I felt bad for him. Mm. I felt really bad for him at that point as well. So I'm glad that he's got a new lease of life. And it's going to be interesting. Ambrose and or Moxley and Omega is not a match I ever thought I'd see. And it's <laughs> quite an odd match, if anything, as well. So, yeah, how's that one going to be? It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, it was good sleight of hand as well. Like I said, I agree with you both that like the the setup of it was brilliant. Uh, in that he, you know, we came out and initially attacked Jericho, and then they set up the Omega match instead uh, by having Omega fight back. Thought that was brilliant. I mean, I I think there's a conversation there to be had. You know, on the first pay per view, should Chris Jericho go over Kenny Omega? But again, no one's talking about that now. Uh, and also. He's got to win some matches, Jericho. He can't put everyone over. Uh, I'm sure Omega yeah. will get that win back at some point. But again, the sleight of hand was there. That it, it, you know, At the end of the day, we're talking about we're all looking forward to Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And we're looking forward to, to Jericho and Hangman Page. And like you say, they've set up two big matches there in one fail swoop and feel like a, a legitimate company now. At the moment, what they, they're very top-heavy on baby faces at the top, and they need a really strong heel. And uh, Jericho. Jericho is, really, at this point, that's the role he wants to play. He's willing to so, be uncool, isn't he? He's willing to be the uncool dad and get the booze, whereas exactly. the rest of the elite guys probably probably are always going to get cheered no matter what they do. It, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's much more believable with him. So, I, I mean, I would advocate actually putting the belt on him. First of all, if you're looking to kind of go You've got for the, for the mainstream Page. coverage. Yeah. Him and Page is a weird match as your first like title match. Like And when he loses it, he'll lose his shit and it'll be yeah. great fun. Yeah, like is him and Page gonna main event? I'm assuming it is it's for their belt. Mm. But Omega Moxley feels like it'll be the main event of that sh- whatever that that next pay per view is. Um so it is a well, strange all out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The bonnet yeah, of course it is. Sorry. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I think way too early to put the belt on Page. Let Jericho establish it. He's been there. He's done it before. He'll get the belt over. Uh, you can go back to Omega at some point. This can play into a longer-term story of Omega as well because mm. I don't think he's going to beat Moxley. So you, you could have a storyline where Omega's, if they're using wins and losses as well, where Omega has to start putting something together. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His kind of inability to put wins together. Perhaps it could lead to him having to go back to New Japan to find himself, which I'd be well up for. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I was I was thinking about that. I mean, Omega still needs to be established to a mainstream audience. And what is Omega going to be really great at? It's going to be those kind of brilliant matches. That's the thing prevailing. Obviously, he's charismatic and, and all the rest of it and delivers a hell of a promo. But you've got a chance here if he has the match with Moxley and then you kind of go to Moxley-Jericho possibly then at, at some point then down down the road where you're building up Kenny Omega as being like, and he could even involve the trip to New Japan, but you're building him up as this, as the kind of the best bout machine version of, of Kenny Omega, which is the my favourite version of Kenny Omega. Mm. And th- there is a way of doing it. And he also would have had all of the elite win necessarily if they'd all gone over tonight and i don't think that's necessarily a look that you really want to go for you want them mm. to have vulnerability at various points and i think doing it with omega is a bit more interesting than perhaps doing it with the others just because there's that now there's that bit more depth around the kind of top of the card what i was going to say as well because omega was originally of a next uh, there's a what, what show is it i think it's that yeah, the game as well. Are they still doing that six man? Because Pack was meant to be in that, but are they replace? Have they replaced Pack with anyone? Are they still going ahead with that match? Do you know, Ooh. I think isn't Cody and Goldust against the book supposed to be happening there now? So I'd assume that'd be off. That's, that's Jack- the Jacksonville. That's Jacksonville right, fight for the fall, yeah. isn't it? It is a bit. In- yeah, yeah the, the schedule's a bit interesting because I was. Listening to Big Tone doing a an interview afterwards. Uh, luckily, nobody asked him about uh, Cody Rhodes bringing a dog to the venue. Uh, so <laughs> did, things didn't get awkward, uh, but he was talking that about. Was <laughs> yeah, that was was a Ben a hack guy. Uh, uh, but yeah, he, he was talking about like the pay per view schedule going forward, and it sounds like what they want to do is have four big shows a year, a bit like what everyone thinks WWE should be with Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Mania, and then have maybe smaller pay-per-views in the middle because that's what this Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen feel like. I think the next proper big AEW show going forward is going to be all out. I think maybe we'll get a couple of the big matches sprinkled across those shows. But Clash of Champions, Saturday night's main event. Take sort it, of yeah. Modern, put it on TV, put it on TNT. That'd make sense. You know, drive yeah. drive some viewers. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Um, but I don't know. How do you feel on all that? And I suppose uh, before we close out, how you feel on AEW going forward? I think... The show wasn't perfect, but it's hard not to be uh, to be positive on them uh, going into the next few months and into the uh, the TV in October. Well, yeah, because for the most part, the things that, that need to be improved can be improved upon. So production can be improved on with a bit of time, and it's kind of good in the way they've got those. They've got those three. Well, they've only got three shows before they go into TNT at this point. That's all that's been announced. So you've got those three shows. That gives you the time to kind of sort out your commentary and try and build a bit more of a flow between them, but also at the same time, like the production cues and get those up to date and maybe have a kind of singularity of vision about how it's going to be produced. Because I think at times like... uh, the, the commentators needed direction. There was one point in it where J.I. Is, is kind of notable, but though it's sort of noticeably lost and sort of doesn't know what the format is. But, like, those things can be improved. The stuff that really works is in in terms of some of the, the big kind of presentation and the variety of the wrestling. Weekly storylines is still the one bit that I'm worried about and you mentioned mm. about the show and it's because of that librarian shit <laughs> yeah. that kind of gave me such bad vibes and just thinking, okay, you really need to think about how you're not present, like you're not presenting this to, 
to 500 people. You're going for stadiums around the country on primetime network television, and you've got the widest reach in the UK. Dumb shit isn't isn't going to cut it. It's let's, like let's hope they consider the feedback and the negative feedback segments like that got, and they start thinking well, about whether that is going to be the direction they want to take going for. Because if that low rent and it mm. just felt it was just silly. It, it no, I, if anyone enjoyed that, you got mm. a terrible sense of humour. But they seem like they're more. Obviously, they seem like they're amenable to feedback. That they might that they'll take it from them. Whereas WWE, they ask all well, of they these know, they, they ask all of these surveys and then ignore all the results that come back well, they, to them. They know and they think a twenty four seven championship is a thing to Mate, do. They know better than everyone else. You've got eighty thousand people going mad for Daniel Bryan, but you know they're they're all idiots. They don't know what they want really. So mm. you know, yeah, there we go. Just a bit of WWE bashing to end, but yeah, <laughs> teething problems definitely. Um, was really worried watching that pre-show. Show got better for having night. Mm. Uh, business end of the card, I thought, really delivered. Ultimately, we got the nice surprise of Ambrose. They needed that big splash and, the, and sort of a surprise element, I think, on this show as well mm. to get those headlines. They got it. it. Let's go on from here and hopefully it'll go from strength to strength mm. and we'll see where we are, I get, suppose, when we get to All Out. And, and get Punkin for All Out. Yeah. It was in Chicago. Gotta be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think it's not, again, we're not saying it was perfect, are we? There's definitely things you can improve, no. but all in all, I don't think, I think the person who put it best, Gareth put it best, and he's saying that, you know, in another world, half of this card would be doing the Largo loop for the next 24 months for WWE. So let's yeah. just all be thankful that, that AEW exists and at least we're trying with something different, even if it's not all perfect. If, you know, if, if for some reason it's like the people willing this not to want to happen, I mean, I'm assuming they also want to live in totalitarian states <laughs> where there's just one view and one set of opinions and it's all yeah. brilliant. And it's just like, look at the moments, look at the memories. Fuck off with that. <laughs> Give us a bit of depth and a bit of meaning for once. Because at least this had this, at least this had the emotion. Whereas, you know, I'm sure... I haven't watched AJ versus Rollins at Money in the Bank. I'm sure it's a fine professional wrestling match. I'm sure it'll be completely cold almost throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it was very good. I watched that. It was the first WWE match I've watched since WrestleMania. It was very good. But at the end of the day, like, I was thinking of other first first like events and think UFC 1, mm. for example. Good comparison point. And you think, you've, say it again. Good comparison point, isn't it? Yeah, you think of some of the major issues at UFC 1. Mm. Obviously, it was the intro of a completely different, new and fresh sport mm. on pay-per-view. And yeah, that was going to have many more issues than this was going to have because it was trying to find out what works for an entirely new sport. Mm. But at the same time, UFC 1 caught on, but then they went through years and years of issues. But if you look at UFC 1, it looks so raw and mm. so unpolished. Whereas there was a level of professionalism to this as well, but there just needs that little bit of polish around the edges, get the production sorted out a little bit, sort out the announcing, have a think about some of the editing points mm. as well. Maybe we'll think about some of the video packages, a little bit to the presentation, but there's promise there. And ultimately, did you guys enjoy this? Because oh, I enjoyed it. Definitely, definitely. Some yeah. some matches I enjoyed less than, than other people, but all in all, I, I thought pretty much there was something positive to say about everything on the card. Yeah, it was better than any TNA pay-per-view I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it, the industry needs this and it needs it desperately for it to become a success. And this was a, 
this is generally like a really good first start. And do I want to watch all out? Yeah. Will I watch the other shows in between? Yeah, probably. Mm. Because I can't think of any reason why I'm intrigued by it. If, you know, if you're taking about, I want to know where it goes. I want to know where they go with the top line stories and the top line matches. And I never have that feeling about WWE. Mm, think about the last... Who we do have to compare them to. Well, I think about the last promotion he tried to properly rival WWE, and that's why I mentioned TNA. Yeah. It was TNA. And think about the type of main event that TNA presented us with. Jeff Jarrett bullshit for the longest time. Like, it, this was on a completely different level to that. It's new, fresh wrestlers. Yeah, you've got Jericho and Goldust in there as well. They've still got something to give. Their egos are wanting to give something. TNA, we got guys in there for a big fat paycheck because they could get more money, basically. And this is money, but giving back at the same time. And this felt like it was a far more of a legitimate possibility as being some sort of threat or second company than TNA ever did to me. Can't believe you called Jeff Jarrett bullshit like it was a negative thing there, Joe. Unbelievable. Oh, last <laughs> night before the show, when we were watching that WCW thing, there was a Jarrett... Oh, some of the Jarrett title wins that I just forgot about. <laughs> I don't think he ever won a belt throughout the entire history of him winning belts or Five world titles. Champion, yeah, where there wasn't some sort of shenanigans or interference. But there was a match that he was having with Kevin Nash, and JP made sure to tell me and my brother that apparently they had a really great match at a TNA pay-per-view once, like... You know. I don't remember Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash I'm, classic, but have you got any recollection of it, Benno? None whatsoever. Yes. Made about Mafia era, JP, or Kings of Wrestling? We we worked. He wasn't the Kings of Wrestling of Victory Road. Oh, I remember that. Um, I I kind of... It makes me wonder, at that point in time, we worked out what time period, roughly, I would have, I would have had very young kids. There's a possibility I could have dreamt this. Like, it may not have actually happened this great... Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett match. But I'm going to have a look, obviously, because I'm a glutton for punishment. Well, talking to Jeff of world title wins, at least he got a League Two promotion win this weekend as well. Yeah. Congratulations to Tranmere Rovers. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations to Liam McAteer and the uh, friend of the show, that wrestling travel yeah. lot. They've, uh, they've done well there, Tranmere. Uh, it's yeah. the, the official, yeah, the... the the club that's endorsed by this podcast. <laughs> the, the official football uh, team. Of more, it's a bit more complicated for you, Benno, I have to say, than it is for yeah, us. We can be Tram very easy to weather fans. <laughs> it's only Tramia. Uh, I'm allowed. It's fine. <laughs> um, They're no yeah, But yeah, to, uh, to sum up our AW review, go back and watch mid-2000s TNA. And uh, yeah, congratulations to Tramia. I think that's yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the best way we could possibly add it. Uh, anything, to, anything to plug anything we should uh, put over uh, I wanted to mention um, have either of you listened to John Pollock's uh, Owen Hart documentary uh, not yet but uh, been meaning to we'll do mm. when I get the time really first good. 20 minutes and mm. it, it's excellent yeah. and Harry. a lot of hot, things I just didn't know but mm. I haven't had a chance to listen to the rest of it but mm. the kind of audio documentary that i like I'm, I'm quite a fan of them and i think this one is certainly one that you know i mean i want to hear the rest of it 
it's brilliant. Like the the same as you, I went in thinking I knew everything about that story, and I walked out realizing I knew nothing about that story. Uh, yeah. yeah, the interviews he got are brilliant, and it's just really well formatted. I know I'm a biased for being on post wrestling, but genuinely, people should check that out. It's like the as far as podcasting goes, like uh, it's just a really interesting thing to do with wrestling podcasting. So yeah, check that out at postwrestling.com. Uh, while we're at it, I'll plug our other mates, Ian at Bat Body Drops, doing podcasts. Listen to that. Listen to Andy yep. Ogden's Graps and Claps audio. That's good stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow JP at JPJP and follow all three of us on Grapple. Download it in the Google Play Store and iTunes and all that good stuff. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much here. Unless uh, either of you got any uh, closing words? Um, go on, A. Go on, A. W. Go on, Tone. <laughs> I thought you were going to say go on Tramir, but yeah, go on AEW. We'll take that. We'll take that co-opted money. <laughs> just to go full circle, I've just worked out the uh, Remain vote overall in the European elections, 53%. So let's watch the narrative be all about everyone's Brexit while ignoring the 53% of parties that people are voting for yeah. for Remain. So there, there we go. go. And tying it back to AEW, if you are just a... a- if you're one of those really hard, staunch Brexiteers, just watch ITV3 instead because it's put completely catered for you. Let the rest of us watch ITV4, right? Do that and bother with the rest of that bollocks. Ran over. <laughs> Words to live by. But anyway, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking uh, some more Best of the Super Juniors and where else, whatever else we've been watching. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next Monday and it's a goodbye from us. Bye. Personified, and I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away. I am cold like December snow.